This week's episode of the Jones Report is presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. We want to be your partner. OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com for the best financial planning around with O'Connor Advisory Group's own Brian O'Connor. You can reach out to Bo at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Sports Office. Jones, we're so glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, Mike Neighbors set to join us. NFL reporter and author will be here in just a little while from right now. We will go around the league with Mike and uh, visit the neighborhood when he stops by coming up in just a little while from right now. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. Our Tom Fullery story of the week, Big 12 Breakdown, all of that and more coming up in just a matter of moments. Thomas Bridges joins me right now. And I have to say, uh, first off, glad to have Tom back after uh, he is fully recovered. And uh, big thanks to Derek for stepping in last week. But secondly, Tom, uh, I, I would love to just rub it in your face that the Oklahoma City Thunder are not going anywhere, that they will be Oklahoma's team for at least the next 29 years. Uh, I will be 59 years old uh, by the time the Thunder's next lease ends. And uh, that I told you so, that uh, that they were going to, they weren't going anywhere. They got this new arena deal done. So, uh the to be to be fair, I, I, to be fair, I did think it was going to pass. I just know that, and Jose's on that group text. Really, was more at Jose because he pulls his little crystal ball prediction thing, and I was and Jose always gives me trash about the Spurs and stuff. And I was like, all right, but you know, you say you're going to be 59 by the time they'd have a chance to leave again. Um, what are the chances? that any of the trophy cases filled up. I hope and pray there will be at least one title in there by then. <laughs> 30 year window will give them one. I can, I can, I'd, I'd say at least one. If they continue on the path that they are, they should have one in the next 10 years. Yes. Um, if, if they don't, that'll be sad. You know, Tom, two things can be true at once, like about that arena deal in Oklahoma City, like nine hundred million in public funding. That is a that is a bad deal, uh, I can't admit, but you can't afford to lose the Thunder. And we've seen what happened to Oakland and Seattle, case in point with this franchise right here. That was not a risk worth taking. And you did not raise taxes to do it. It it wasn't a great deal, but it was still the smart deal for Oklahoma City to go through with it. I oh yeah, and it's just like I get it. They I think the max days that 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 stadium could be used for Thunder out of well, if you if you take every potential game played at home, which would be forty one, and then I think however many playoff games you could potentially have at home, I think the max number is something like. I want to say it was like 58. Yeah. Well, then, so at that point, you still have over 300 days a year that that stadium could be used for something else, whether it be concerts or rodeo now, or... For you and I are on the same team here, Tom. I will say I did get a laugh out of Oklahoma City and their proposals bitching about how 
they don't get as good of events and concerts as God forbid Tulsa. Tulsa. Oh. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, that's the yeah, they're they're Tulsa's little brother. They know it. Right. They admitted it. Well, we don't get you know, I God forbid, I don't think the the Eagles final tour coming up is gonna stop in, in Oklahoma City. I think it's only be okay. Yeah. Um and now I, I'm trying to think. I do now. Drake is chose Oklahoma City over Tulsa, but Fraud. I believe the I I yeah I believe Paycom can sit more people than the BOK by a, a substantial amount. Yeah, I'm not sure on the numbers there, but I bet you can fit at least four thousand more people on the Paycom than you can the BOK. But um, yeah, so. I did think that part was pretty funny because they basically just admitted, yeah, well, Tulsa's, you know, Tulsa's better. They get all this other stuff and they, <laughs> you know, Tulsa had got the gathering place. And so Oklahoma City was like, well, we got to have Scissor Tail Park. So it was around this time two years ago that I let the world know that Tulsa was better than Oklahoma City. While I am thrilled that the Thunder aren't going anywhere, they are my favorite professional team in all the sports, and uh, I am very pleased that my children one day will also be Oklahoma City Thunder fans and get to raise them and be a part of the same memories I've had. Well, all that is true. Um, I, I am very glad to be from Tulsa and not from Oklahoma City and, and, and how much more we have to offer. The only thing that Oklahoma City does have going for them is the Thunder, and we'll give them that. Yeah, they have to have at least something. Maybe we'll get the NHL in Oklahoma City next. Yeah, I don't know if I'd I'd have to still be a Stars fan. Now, Me Jones, too. you I'm mentioned up the Stars. You mentioned your, you know, if you ever have any kids or whatever, that they would be Thunder fans. They could be like a heathen, like you. They could start out being a Thunder fan, and you know, maybe if you're still in Dallas. If when you ever have kids, then, uh, you know, maybe they'll kind of like, uh, your dad's a Steelers fan and you eventually became a chiefs fan. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll happens, end up being Mavs fans. If that happens. Then I would have failed as a father. <laughs> I can't let that happen. Like it's different because my dad never lived in Pittsburgh. In fact, he's never even been to Pittsburgh. Like that's true. I grew up like the Thunder came to town when I was 12 years old. You know, that's that's been my team since the beginning. Like, you know, it my 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 children will be Thunder fans. They they, they don't have to be Chief fans or uh, you know, they don't have to be Jeff Gordon fans. Um <laughs> Oh gosh. <laughs> but yes, that will be a requirement. You know, they they don't have your, to be your kids are going to root for Axel Larson. <laughs> right jones speaking of that tangent not that anybody listening cares but thinking about the nascar because obviously it's off season we haven't really said anything about it i did see there's a a, a commit like a texas commit um that or maybe he entered the, maybe he entered the transfer portal maybe that's what it was but he's on the longhorns and i had a laugh his name casey kane Casey Kane. <laughs> did, I did get a laugh out of that, and I hadn't heard that name in some time. Speaking of favorites, Casey Kane was my dad's favorite driver. 
that's not a bad one to have. And then after he retired, he he joined the the rest of the uh, uh, the folks and became a uh, a Chase Elliott fan. What what's the term you've been using lately? Um, gentrified. He he, he, he went gentrified. A gentrified Chase Elliott fan. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm trying to think who else would be a a gentrifying driver. That's interesting. That's an interesting topic. That is. That is uh, gentrified NASCAR. I don't know if you could really gentrify. NASCAR would be the one to gentrify. I don't think they could get gentrified. The uh, the Chicago street race was gentrifying NASCAR. Very. That's yeah. They were they were yeah. That's definitely and and in some class level, in some weird class level, we might never never even be a part of the F one coming to Vegas was in a way for F one gentrifying Vegas. Yes. Um. One more note on the Thunder and all this. I was thinking about the future, like. Tom, I've always been a big Clay Bennett fan. I love what he's done as owner and the. Owner's... I just like his daughter. Well, that's what I was getting. Well, to. His, his ex. That's a, hey, 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 that's what I'm getting. To. Hold on, one thing, one thing at a time. Uh, <laughs> with with that said, Clay Bennett is getting older, and you know his his son-in-law. Uh, I don't know if if uh, if he's going to be the next owner or what, but I am bummed now that. Uh, now that his son-in-law and Alex Bennett, formerly a barstool, are, are no longer, uh, that Alex Bennett will not be the future owner of the Thunder. Uh, we can pretty much guarantee that. I, I was a little bummed. I, I was hoping that one day uh, she would lead our organization. And and now it's all for naught. <laughs> Love is dead. <laughs> yes. But the Thunder in Oklahoma City are not. They are not. <laughs> <laughs> Dom, uh, let's start as we do going around the National Football League. Um, Bo's got plenty of thoughts on Patrick Mahomes and all that transpired this weekend. But let let me say this, and and Tom, I'm very curious what you had to say about this. Um, look, the Chiefs have problems; they can potentially overcome them. You know, there's. A long ways to go, uh, you know, before we even start the playoffs. Still have, you know, what, four or five more weeks. The receiving course sucks. They got things to work through. But I got to tell you, last week, this might be, you might call this overreaction Monday. I don't, I don't care. Last week felt like a new low of sorts. Because, yeah, they've been losing the last couple of weeks. But then to bitch and moan and complain about the officials and for Mahomes to go up to Josh Allen in the post game and to be complaining about the officials saying they got robbed, like it was just classless. I mean, it looks so small time. And not to mention, Tom, that Kadarius Tony was offsides. It was the right call. I hate to admit it, but it was. Yeah, I, I he was. That was- all poorly handled, and it was embarrassing. It was a bad look all the way around. And for a team that's got their issues, stop looking for excuses and start fixing the problem here. To me, I thought that was all just a a, a terrible look, how that went down. Yeah, it definitely didn't look good. And 
I mean, Tony was definitely outside, but I I do wonder, and obviously I don't, I mean, I like the Chiefs, but I don't actively root for them. If any any reason I root for them would be that yeah, the Rams won't make it. And Yeah, your dad failed as a father because you're not a Chiefs fan. Well, I was for a brief time, and then, you know, when the Chiefs sucked forever, obviously the greatest show on turf came to town, and they're in the same state, so that's close enough for me. Um, but, uh, you know, Tony was offsides, but it's always weird. Having played wide receiver when I played football years and years and years ago, you always kind of pointed at the ref, and they do this and let you know before the snap, like where you're lined up, if you're good or not, or, you know, they kind of give you a thumbs up, which now I don't see that every play. I see that in college a lot, but I don't see it a whole lot in the NFL, but I know that they still do it. Um, and so I'm, I'm wondering why nothing was pointed out before the snap. Really what I'm bummed about is it killed, and it could have been, this play could have been for the Bills for all I care. It killed uh, otherwise legendary awesome play. That would have won the Chiefs the game, most likely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm so I'm more bummed about that because now that will – but, you know, that would be a, a highlight that would live on for a while, and now that doesn't get to live on. Um, but what a play by, you know, Travis Kelsey in that moment. That was, from what I understood, uh, 110% completely, in, like, improvised. Well, and you look at what's ahead now. Um, you play the Patriots, that should be a win. Play the Raiders, that should be a win. Bengals uh, with Browning starting with no Joe Burrow. You're at home, that should be a win. And then you play the Chargers. And uh, what might no be Josh Herbert. Yeah, what might be Brandon Staley's last game. Um, Chiefs should win out. Being eleven and or eleven and five team, or I can't do math. Twelve and five team, um, and Mahomes will actually have to go to the postseason. You know, go play a road game in the postseason for the first time. Um, it'll be one of those things, Tom, where we'll look at the record and be like, "Oh, twelve and five, they had a good year." But then, like, you look in the details of it, and you're like, eh, "There's a lot of issues there." Like, that's not that great of a team uh maybe they could figure it out they very well could but like i don't see that they don't look like championship caliber team right now even if they went out here i, I my feeling's not going to change yeah they need to bring it back chad henny for at least some moral support in that locker room if they chad can't bring back if they can't bring back strict dad eric the enemy then bring back chad henny at least and get some order in the locker room yeah. Uh all seriousness though, they very well could. I mean, let's I mean, let's look in the AFC right now. Like, okay, you got the Dolphins who are pretty da- it could be dangerous, but they uh obviously just lost to Tennessee, so at maybe home. not. Yeah, at home. Um and then you know, you've you've got the Ravens who took overtime for them to beat the Rams. Um and oh, very that? Bittersweet uh, moment for me is Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma State runs back the kick against my team. He wasn't even supposed to return that kick, too. Devin Duvernay got hurt. Right, exactly. So I was happy for him for that. But we want to talk about bitching about the refs. There was a very clear block in the back that was not called that sprung Tylen Wallace. But I was just happy that the Rams were competitive and it looked like they actually gave a shit. 
um, about the game. So I was I, I was like, you know what, whatever. Best team in the AFC. Took them to the brink in Baltimore. So, uh, so you got like look at the other teams. You got the Ravens and you got Miami. And you could say, okay, well, you got the Jags. No, I, I, if Kansas City had to go to Jacksonville, they'd probably be thrilled if that was the place that they had to go, which won't probably won't I, I happen. I think Baltimore I mean, is the team to beat right now in the AFC. And- yeah, this most likely Chiefs would have to go play if would the road game will probably be in Baltimore. I think and- Baltimore, I think, is the team to beat in the AFC right now. And the big question mark they had was how would they fare without Mark Andrews? And two things happened, Tom. One was Isaiah Likely has looked really good stepping up in his place. But OBJ is coming yeah. up. No, there's I mean there's it's not a no BJ situation. It's yes, BJ. I mean, because the way that he <laughs> It's played, always yes, BJ. What are you talking about? Always is. Yes. <laughs> uh he looks like what we saw in that Rams Super Bowl run, where he's coming along in the second half of the year, coming into his own and making a difference. I mean, they needed somebody to step up without Mark Andrews. OBJ looks fantastic right now. With that, and likely, and how great that defense is, um, I, I think Baltimore is is putting it together. And John Harbaugh says they might still get Mark Andrews back after all this, too. I mean, yeah, which would be pretty, you know, be dangerous for any other team not named the Ravens. But, you know, like you talk about the Chiefs. The Chiefs, I think, have the ability to work it out and figure it out. Um, but if you ask me, you know, is my confidence level in the Chiefs as the same as the past three years? No, it's not even close. Yeah. This is, this is the year that I would be like, okay, is the window closing a little bit? Right. Uh, and I don't think I don't think anybody who, that would ask is the window starting to shut. I don't think they would be remiss saying that. Uh, and until they can get the wide receiver issues figured out, um, obviously that's hurting them most. That's what they like to do. They like to throw and be high paced and fast, and you know they just can't be right now. So you know wow. until they figure they they got a great group of running backs. You know Pacheco I think is not playing this week. Right. He's out. He's hurt. I think the theme for this week, Tom, across the NFL, as we're in week 15, this is a playoff elimination week. I mean, look at Saturday. Vikings, Bengals, both teams are at seven and six, playing with backup quarterbacks. Steelers, Colts, both teams at seven and six, uh, both playing with backup quarterbacks, by the way. Um, you know, the Broncos with a tough game against the Lions. Um, some of these other matchups here, the Bucks and Packers, both at six and seven saints and giants giants have some work to do. They're kind of already out as is, but you know, saints are six and seven Falcons need a win against the Panthers. Um, what else we got? The Rams need a win against the commies, the Cowboys in the bills game. The bills are desperate. They're at seven and six. They're at home. And then Monday night. Eagles and Seahawks. Seahawks and the Eagles are both coming in on losing streaks. The Seahawks need a win to get back in contention here. I mean, we're we're going to eliminate about about half the league. It feels like this weekend, Tom. 
Oh yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's par for the course. Uh, I will say about that. You talk about backup quarterbacks. Does this not feel like the year of the backup quarterback? Like how many, how many second string quarterbacks or even third string have started a game this season across the league? I bet it's more, I bet it's, I bet it's close to the record, if not the record. Oh yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It's been painful. I mean, not every team, Tom, has a Tommy DeVito or a Jake Browning coming in balling out for them, too. We've seen some bad quarterback play. I mean, I mean, look at it, look at it this way, too. If let's even say, you know, you cover the Seahawks. Let's just talk about the NFC West real quick, break it down. Matt Stafford's been hurt. They had Brett Ripien start a game. That obviously didn't work. Um, the Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray was out, and then they put in uh, your boy Colt McCoy or maybe, and then there's Joshua Dobbs. Yeah, and then it was Kyle Allen for a bit. Um, yeah, Brett Ripon's on his third team this year now. Right, and then so you look at the Seahawks, Drew Locke. I guess maybe Drew Lock hasn't started a game, but he's playing started, it. No, he started last week. Oh, okay. So there's there's that. Um, the 49ers, Brock Purdy was out of game, wasn't he? Uh, Brock Purdy's played every game this year. Oh, okay. I thought he was out like one game with something. Thought, so maybe not. They thought he was going to be out like week five, and he came back like right in time. Sam Darnold didn't, didn't play. So, but pretty close. But so if you want to say, I mean, across all divisions, look at, even the AFC North, I mean, the Browns have played three quarterbacks. The Steelers have played, I don't know if Mason Rudolph's gotten a snap in, but they've played at least two. Antonio um, Brown won uh, Mason to come in. Yeah, but, I mean, I guess the Ravens have been lucky. Um, knock on wood for Lamar. Um, and then, oh, what, the Ravens, Browns, Steelers, uh, Bengals, obviously, no Joe Burrow, but Jake Browning, surprise, is he? The, I mean, so far so good for him. But I mean, that's just two divisions. We, could, I'm not going to break did, down each one for you right now. But did I, I mean, tell you my Jake Browning story? By the way, no. Do you like? Is he like a long lost cousin or something? No, but he he might as well be. So this Native American friend of mine in college, he was from the town of Browning, Montana. And he mm. always had an accent when he said where he was from. And it was always Browning, uh, Browning, Montana. And so <laughs> uh, every time I'm making references to him, I did this on the Ravens Bengals watch party a couple weeks ago. He is not Jake Browning. He's Jake Browning. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Jake Browning's probably not too far from Browning, Montana. Uh, yeah, he went to Washington. Right, so he's not he's not far off from there. I wonder if he's been there. Let's see. Where is Jake Browning from? He's probably a Cali kid or something. Uh he's you you guessed it. He's from Folsom, California. Folsom? Um like Folsom yeah. Prison Blues? Hmm. Interesting. I mean just outside of Sacramento. Okay, so he's northern California, so he's not, you know. He's not anywhere from he's not he's not Ryan Reynolds. Right. Yeah. Goes to Washington. Yeah, so yeah. 
that that sounds right. I think any kind of, I mean, you'd be hard pressed, I guess, to uh, find any. You know, it sounds like Oregon's running the Hawaii pipeline, but any of those other quarterbacks that end up on the West Coast are usually West Coast kids. It seems like, but uh, another yeah NFL year year note. of the backup quarterback. Another NFL note, Tom. Uh, the MVP race is very interesting. Like. I've heard some people say it feels like a Mickey Mouse MVP race because it's not like an obvious, you know, choice. Uh, It's not a historic season of sorts going on. But I I got one for you. I know that a lot of people are pointing towards Dak. There is a crowd of folks pointing towards Brock Purdy, and I do like Brock Purdy a lot. You know, you know that. Um, Yeah. But as much as I hate to admit this, but being very fair and transparent. It is hard to ignore what Tyreek Hill is doing with the Dolphins. And if he gets 2,000 yards receiving, Tom, in a year where maybe there hasn't been the dominant quarterback, um, I think that would be my MVP vote if he reaches that 2,000-yard mark. Why not Tyreek Hill as MVP? I mean, yeah, no quarterback. Other, I mean, and Dak, I mean, sure. I mean, Dak's a, numbers are the same as Brock Purdy. I mean, it's not right. Like, it's not like he's bold there's, as horse. There's not like really a standout. That's very true. Um, I mean, I don't think Lamar has done enough. Right. I mean, he hasn't. There, you're absolutely right. In a, in a, there hasn't really been any crazy like, oh shit, this person's on the way to do this historic thing, and they're playing out of their mind. Nobody's. I can't even think of a like a player that you know, seem like they were just taking over the game each and every week. But, I mean, Tyree Kill, yeah. Um, you know, what, Cooper Cup, I think, had over 2,000 yards, but just fell short of maybe the record. I think, yeah, he fell short of, of I guess it was Calvin Johnson, right? Uh, trying to think what the receiving yards record is. I know, obviously, Cooper Cup won the Triple Crown. I do believe he got over 2,000 yards, but didn't end up breaking it. Now, if, if Tyreek Kill breaks oh, he, it. He actually oh, came He came 53 yards short. Of Calvin Johnson? Of 2,000. Oh, Cooper Cup did? Yeah. And then, so what's Tyreek Kill at right now? Um, Hold on one second. So I'm trying to pull it up, too. And Calvin Johnson's record is 1,000. 964. So Cooper Cup came about, what is it, 15 yards short? Wow. I mean, yeah. And obviously, but there was other people that had more. Like it was, I can't even remember who won the MVP then, but Tyreek um, right now has 1,542. He's on pace for 2016. So. And that's what, in four? 17 games played compared to Cup and Calvin Johnson. Well, Cup was 17 games too. Cups was still 17 games, but Calvin Johnson's was 16. So, so what he needs 400 and oh, I don't know what 400 and about 415 yards a game, or sorry, 115 yards in each game in the last four games so and he's averaged already this season 100 almost 120 yards a game 
I mean, yeah, I I would say that, you know, I'll pull that up. NFL MVP odds as they currently stand. I'd be interested. I'm kind of interested who else they're thinking. Um, Because like you said, you make a great point. There hasn't really been anybody. Other, I mean, you could say Dak, and it's a quarterback award anyway, which I don't shouldn't be. But I, I wish they would look outside the box a little bit more. But I get it. I get it's why. But let's just take a look. Brock Purdy topping the odds plus one seventy right now on Bet three six five. Dak Prescott, Lamar, Jalen Hurts. I think how the Eagles have performed like. Obviously, one, getting the door sh- blown in against 49ers and then losing against Dallas the way they did. I think that kind of takes Jalen Hurts out of it unless he has a incredible final stretch. They've got Josh Allen and Mahomes in there, sure. Um, the Bills, we said, were frauds. And then they the frauds beat, who we think are usually not frauds in the Chiefs. Uh, but you got... Tyree Kill at plus 2,000, Tua at plus 1,600. I could see, depending on what 49ers finish up and look like, Christian McCaffrey plus 4,000. Anything on anything beyond that is you'd be stupid to put your money on. And McCaffrey's um, another one that uh, a non-quarterback that I think has got a really good shot too. Right, he could do it. I see Trevor Lawrence on here, C.J. Stroud. Which I think they've both had great seasons. I think they've both had great seasons, but not, I mean, give them a couple more years. CJ Stroud's one I'm really looking at in a couple of years to be like maybe, maybe making some real noise. But I think right now Tyreek Hill's not a crazy pick. Yeah, yeah, I think Tyreek Hill's the pick for me right now, um, and I think as he gets closer to this record too, would not be surprised if the Dolphins try to force feed him the football, you know, to kind of up those stats, give him that opportunity to break that record. Um, I mean, yeah. So you're, you heard it here first. Jones is saying, put the money down now. That's, that's a bet I like. I like that idea. Although no receiver has ever won the NFL MVP award, but this seems like good opportunity for potentially that to happen. More NFL discussion coming up uh, throughout the show. Uh, Mike Neighbors going to join us. Coach Bo also is they going to stop by uh, coming up later. So uh, don't miss out on that uh, in uh, just a bit. So uh, stay tuned. But coming up next is our uh, Big 12 breakdown with a look around the uh, Big 12 conference this week. Tyler Jones, Tom Spritz is here with you. The Big 12 breakdown as we have everything you need to know on the Big 12 football and basketball front. Uh, a lot of transfer portal stuff to go over. Um, we now have the schedules for Oklahoma and Texas in the SEC uh, to talk about, and uh, the hoop side getting very interesting as well. But uh, before we get to any of that, though, we always begin with our hot takes, as we do each and every week. Tom, uh, go ahead and give me a hot take. Uh, what direction are you going? Are you going football, basketball? What do you got? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um you know, with football slowing down, I usually have a, a football uh, a pick for you. And, you know, I need to be better about watching more of the basketball as it picks up. Um, but I'm going to – let's see. I'm Because tr- we're going to have a, well, a couple more weeks, obviously, before Texas will play. 
uh, Washington, but I guess I can probably give you that right now. I'll do a little early, you know, pre-stocking stuff or Christmas pick. I've got Texas uh, being it winning by more than let's say I'm gonna I'll give I'd give Washington twelve and a half. So give me Texas by thirteen. Okay, that's my hot take for you this week. So you're very confident in Texas. You like them a lot more than this Washington team. I like Washington too, but I think something about this Texas team uh, looks like not a Texas team we've seen in the past 13 years. Yeah. Um, 10, 13 years, something like that. I, I hate the whole Texas is back thing and all that, but they I do too. But Tom, along with that hate, it, it feels like a team of destiny type thing too. Like, you know, the way Quinn's playing, they get Xavier Worthy back off of injury. That defense is clicking. Like, I really like what Texas is doing. That that team has got a lot figured out, and they they match up pretty well with this this Washington team. Like that that Texas defense is significantly better than Washington's defense. Like, it, it if I'm Washington. I think you'd be better off probably against Michigan or Bama. Of these three teams, that's the one they match up with the worst. So by far. Um, And, you know, I think Texas, obviously, you put the big boys up front. I'd like to – I mean, they've already beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Different Alabama team than I think that it was at the beginning of the year. But um, different Texas team, too. I mean, the, both teams have only got stronger. And, you know, I don't want to doubt on Michael Penix Jr. because, you know, that Oregon game was spectacular. But I just don't think if, if Texas comes out and punches him right in the mouth, then I'd, I'd be interested to see how Washington responds to something like that. Yeah. Uh, my hot take this week, uh, Tom, I'm going to go to Lawrence for this. But I am going to be very critical, actually, of KU uh, in my hot take this week. Um, so buckle up folks. I, my hot take this week, I do not at all like the hiring of Jeff Grimes as Kansas's new offensive coordinator. Jeff Grimes, uh, was previously at Baylor the last couple seasons and sure it was part of a big 12 championship there with the Baylor bears. I get that, but Baylor sucked on offense the last couple of seasons. Blake Shapin never developed properly. That offense was awful the last two years and had so many problems. I don't like it at all. To me, I, I just don't – this doesn't feel good. Um, Jeff Grimes, you know, he, he's won at other places. Like, he did a decent job at BYU, and, you know, he was O-line coach at LSU and, and all that. But part of the thing about this – Lance Leipold era uh, was the continuity, you know, having the same OC and DC all the way back to the days at Wisconsin Whitewater, you know, winning, you know, division three national titles and everything. And, you know, Cole Nicky, who did an incredible job, goes off to Penn State now. Now you break that up and now you bring in a guy like Jeff Grimes, who 
didn't do well as last stop. Like, why are we picking up the crumbs from Baylor? If he couldn't win at Baylor, why do we think it's going to be any different at Kansas here? That, to me, just doesn't add up. I, I didn't like the hire. I, I thought it was a bad decision by Lance Leipold and uh, the first mistake of the uh, the Lance Leipold era at this point, Tom. Now, and I agree. Um, like, you know, if you can't get it done at Baylor, who's seen recent success, why you think he's going to come and be inventive for, you know, a Texas – or, sorry, not a Texas team, but a Kansas team that has, you know, they – this is the best year since the Orange Bowl year, um, and you want to keep building on that success, not stagnate out. Uh, now, obviously, I don't follow KU like you do, um, but was was there any other OCs out there like that they were looking at that would have been a better fit? Um, you know, uh, or the, did they even look really? the The report was that. Leipold zeroed in on Grimes. That was the guy he wanted, and they closed on him fast. Um, now, Jeff Zabrotsky, or, or Jim Zabrotsky, their quarterback's coach, got promoted to co-OC, um, and he's been with Leipold all the way back to the Wisconsin Whitewater days. Um, but Grimes is going to be the play caller. And so I, I'm skeptical. Call me skeptical, but... I, I didn't like to hire. I thought they could have done better than what they did. But uh, nonetheless, that's the uh, direction that uh, that Kansas ultimately goes uh, with that move there. A um, couple notes out of the uh, the transfer portal. Let's start there. Um, Dylan Gabriel leaves OU, heads to Oregon. Uh, Tom, I think this is a great move for him. I think Oregon upgraded at the quarterback position. Uh, I like Gabriel better than I do Bo Nix. Oklahoma was very high on Jackson Arnold, and he's their quarterback of the future. Honestly, this is a win-win for all parties involved. He gets to go to an Oregon team that's stacked. It's a playoff contending team next year, a very quarterback-friendly offense. Oklahoma gets to start their future with Jackson Arnold here. Um, I, I, it's one of those rare situations where both sides are are better off now, I think. Yeah, I think so, too, and – you know, don't get me wrong. I like, I actually like Bo Nix. I think Bo Nix is going to be that. And obviously, it's easy to compare this because it's the same school. But I remember a lot of people, and even we said it on this show, didn't think Justin Herbert was going to be a good NFL quarterback or even make it as far as he has. Proved us wrong. I see a lot of Bo. I see a lot of similarities. Bo Nix, Justin Herbert. I think Bo Nix is going to end up being a a quarterback in the NFL. Maybe not as the level of Justin Herbert is now, but um, you know, I think he's going to be not too bit not too shabby. And I like his this story is pretty cool. Um, now for Gabriel, I think Gabriel works in the Oregon offense better than Bo Nix did. Uh, Oregon likes to move fast pace, short pit pop passes down the field. Gabriel has probably one of the quickest releases that I can ever remember seeing in person. He's uh, very too. Yeah, hard to sack. Um, you know, small, smaller. Uh, and like you said, he can move. Um, you know, he's and he's not afraid to take off as obviously evidenced by his couple concussions, but um, you know, he's he's not afraid to put his body on the line even either, even though his body's not that big. Um so I think it'll work out for both parties too. And, you know, Gabriel goes to somewhere that really uh, kind of fits his mold. 
couple other guys. Uh, let's let's hit these real quick. Uh, Blake Shapin, the former Baylor quarterback that we mentioned a little while ago, um, off to Mississippi State, joining Jeff Levy. Will Rogers is gone, and I like Will Rogers a lot. I think he's got pro potential. Um, you go from him to Blake Shapin, Jeff Levy. You know, I, I didn't think it was a great hire to begin with. And now the quarterback you roll with is Blake Shapin. I don't think things are off to a very good start in Starkville with uh, with that being your head coach and quarterback pairing here. No, I don't think so either, Jones. And, uh, you know, I did when Shapin, obviously we first saw him a couple of years ago, make that start in the Big 12 championship. And, you know, after that, to be fair, then he uh, looked very promising. And I think Baylor thought he was also looking very promising. You had mentioned earlier, talking about Jeff Grimes, that how Blake Shapin wasn't developed. And I think that might have been – I think that's some of the problem that we see um, with Blake Shapin now. So, you know, if, if they can kind of do some backwards reconstruction work on his development, I, I mean – what I saw in Blake Shapin was, oh, shit, Baylor's got uh, a quarterback. And at that time, oh, they had um, – can't think of his name. They had a big-bodied quarterback that was getting injured that ended up leading to Shapin getting the, the start. But all all signs at the beginning pointed to, uh-oh, Baylor's got uh, – you know, Baylor's got a, a dude. And he just, like you said, never got developed. Didn't seem like he ever took another step forward. Right. So, yeah, maybe at Mississippi State, well, he's probably got two years of eligibility left. Right. You know, maybe, but at the same time, you're playing in the in the SEC, and they might get Blake Shapin killed. Yeah. Um, OU picked up a nice commit from uh, Deion Burks, uh, wide receiver from Purdue, former uh, second-team All-Big Ten selection. Uh, had a breakout season this past year uh, there with Purdue. He actually played with another old uh, Big 12 player. Hudson Carr was his uh, quarterback there this year at Purdue. Um, OU, they got the big news this week that Stutzman and Bowman are coming back on the defensive side. Um, We know about Nick Anderson, some of that receiver talent. Now you add in Deion Burks here. Um, I know that they did lose some linemen, but we know that Bow is the best when it comes to developing offensive linemen here. I'd say overall, Tom, that this has been a very good week for Brent Venables and the Sooners here. Yeah, not, you know, not too bad. And I think the fact that, I mean, I think they always kind of thought that Bowman was probably going to come back, but it seemed like Stunson was going to leave. So to have those two veterans on the defense going in the SEC is, uh, you know, probably made Brent Venables a pretty happy guy. I will say one funny that is not completely done yet, but it does seem like one of their defensive ends, Reggie Grimes, is going to stay in Oklahoma, and he's going to also stay in the Big 12, and it seems like at this point he is going to transfer to Oklahoma State. Yeah. So one year, Trace Ford leaves OSU, goes to OU, and then in the next year, OSU gets it back in blood and takes one of their defensive ends. So, the, uh, I thought that was pretty funny. A lot of the comments said when he 
said he got offered a lot of more that they were like, Reggie, you could do the funniest thing here. The uh, the trade compensation came through a year later. Um, right, yeah, they just they they traded Trace Ford for a 2024 transfer defensive end <laughs> transfer transfer portal pick. Yes, <laughs> I mean that's that sounds like super college football dystopian, but we might not be far off. Yeah, we might not be. Um, Malik Murphy announces he's leaving Texas, going to the portal. Will not back up uh Quinn Ewers in the college football playoff national uh, semifinals and national championship two things on this Tom like no surprise Malik Murphy I think is a terrific talent um got a lot of potential he's going to be a good starting quarterback for somebody we knew this was going to happen Arch is waiting in the wings but as far as the the short term goes you know if something were happened to Quinn, and we've seen Quinn get banged up a lot, actually, the last two years, you're going to Arch now. And they were not comfortable with Arch being the number two quarterback because the consensus, the thought was, oh, yeah, Arch is at least going to be the backup. Sark did not want to do that. He made it very clear Malik was the number two quarterback that he beat out Arch Manning and – they had no interest in putting Arch Manning in only when they absolutely had to this year when, uh, you know, they didn't want to burn a red shirt and all that stuff. Um, now, if something happens to Quinn, you're going to Arch? Like, that's a, that's a whole different ball game uh, compared to the experience that you got with Malik Murphy with the, the two starts he had this year. Uh, that's – I would – I would feel much more comfortable if I'm Texas having that Malik Murphy option, but you don't have that now. So I did think, and correct me if I'm wrong here, because I might be, uh, people on Reddit, obviously that's not a great source, but it is a a big source of a lot of different people. Um, I, they were talking about the same thing today on the thread, talking about uh, Murphy entering the portal. Someone said there is not a rule against a player like because so think about this too. There's so not Malik a rule, Murphy, but Pete Thamel has said that Malik is already leaving. Well, so you'd think that so he's not even going to stick around and go to the college football playoff with the team. Correct. That's insane. I That's would. That's what Pete Thamel's reporting. Yes. So if Texas wins the championship, I would assume he would still get a ring. Yeah, yeah, he's still get a ring, but he is not. I would, I would want that experience. I would still go. I mean, they get like free PlayStation fives, and you know, probably blowjobs from escorts, and backpacks, and computers, and get showered with gifts for however long. I would want that experience. Uh, whatever nil deal he's going to sign with somebody, he's going to get I, all. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's true. I guess it's different now, but I still would want that as like a, you know, can you imagine the team that you won two games for and you're not there when they celebrate winning the national championship, if that were to happen? You're just at home watching it on TV. Well, and that's the other thing, too. Like, if you're Malik Murphy, um, you could hold off on the transfer portal stuff till after the playoff. Like, you don't have to but do this yeah, but then I feel like a lot of the big name, because he's going to probably end up, unfortunately, I wish he'd come to OSU, but he, that's not going to happen. He's going to probably go to the other, the OSU. 
is probably where I could see him ending up. I think Cam. Um, I think Cam Ward's going to end up at Ohio State. I mean, yeah, I guess that's. But I mean, hell, he could what? I mean, he's not going to go to Duke and <laughs> to fill in for Riley Leonard, but he'd go to LSU or, um, hell, he might go to turn Washington. Around, go to Washington. Go to. I guess we saw Notre Dame pick up Riley Leonard, so not there. Um, I don't know who's the quarterback at Clemson right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, nobody of no, I mean, Kate Klubnick is, um, uh, but Miami he could stay in Texas and go down the street to College Station. Miami needs a quarterback. Um, yeah, I mean, Florida State needs a quarterback. Uh, that'd be pretty cool. I could see him doing something like that. Yeah. I mean, he's gonna go to he's gonna go to a big name school. He's not USC needs a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, he there's plenty of options, but I think if you wait around, then you know maybe some options of these schools become slimmer the longer. Yeah, you. it's kind of like they don't want to risk like holding out for him if he's not gonna pick them now. I think a backdoor deal could get done in some way of like, hey. You know, we're not going to announce this, but my intention's to sign here. But that's a lot of liability for a school to do that if nothing was actually signed on paper. Right. So right. I get why I did it um, now, but I would still stay. I would still go with the team. That's just one of those experiences that, you know, why sit at home? I'd be partying with because, you know, he's still friends with his teammates. And from what I understand, all the Texas people love him. Um. Right. I would go and have fun. Um and then and then if your name does get called and yours gets goes down, well, imagine getting in the game and going to win the national championship and then leaving the next year. Right. Uh let's talk about OU and Texas, their SEC schedules that have been released now. Um, starting with the horns. Uh they'll open with Colorado State and then they go to Ann Arbor to face Michigan. Home games against UTSA, U ULM. First ever SEC game, they host Mississippi State. And then they play Red River, followed by Georgia at home the week after. Bandy, Florida, Arkansas, Kentucky, Texas A&M. Um, Tom, what a tough stretch right in the middle of October with Red River and Georgia back-to-back -back weeks. Yeah, and I think OU is building and getting better. Um, but there's a real, I mean, let's be honest, Jackson Arnold's going to be probably pretty good, but first year out of the gate, they're probably losing both of those games. You, th you think, you think Texas losing to both OU and Georgia? Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm thinking Texas. Well, I was gotten confused. Sorry. I was thinking you were talking about OU there for a second. Sorry. That's my bad. But, over Texas is scheduled Tom. What, why was I talking about OU there? Well, I just was thinking Georgia when you said Georgia at home. I was for some reason I was like, "Ooh, Georgia and Norman." But we're, we'll get to I you mean, in a second. Focus on the horns here, the Big Twelve champs. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, trust me, I was there for that. Unfortunately, um, but uh, you know, I think they could win Red River. I mean, well, don't they play Michigan too at the beginning of the season? Yes, I said that. I mean. It could go one way or another for Texas next season. I think that's so hard to even pick those games because if you think about I mean, they could. I, I mean, it stands for OU, too, what I said when I was thinking you were talking about OU. 
Texas could lose both of those games. Moving on to OU now, the team that you go. desperately wanting to talk about. He just loves OU so much. Oh, I was I was excited to talk about OU losing a bunch of games next season. That's what I, really, that's what I was getting at. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't want to be excited about talking about Texas losing a bunch of games either, but, you know, sure. Um, OU schedule. You get uh, Temple at home to start the year. Houston, Tulane, Tennessee, your first uh, ever SEC game at Tennessee, or a home game against Tennessee. First SEC road games at Auburn. Red River followed by South Carolina. Road game at Ole Miss. Home a game against Maine at November 2nd. So they really are <laughs> part of the SEC. They're doing that FCS game in November thing. Um, and then they finish. They renew the rivalry with Mizzou uh, on the road November 9th. And then play Bama. Uh, they take a bye week, play Bama, and then play LSU to wrap up the season. What a gauntlet. Who did OU piss off in the SEC office to get this schedule? I mean, like, that is a brutal finish. Bama and LSU to wrap up the season? I mean, that's... Where, where are those games at? Bama's at home. LSU is in Baton Rouge. Um, even Mizzou. Mizzou was a top-10 team this year. It's a rivalry game, and it's on the road here. That That's not an easy finish. No, it's not, and... You know, at least they get, a, I guess, a bye week before the, that finish. Um, yeah, before the Bama game. Yeah. And I guess, I don't mean Death Valley is no easy place to play, but neither is, you know, Denny Bryant Stadium either. I don't know. That's a home. Pick, like, yeah, I mean, well, I know that, but if you had to, if you could pick in that scenario, would you rather play at LSU or at in Tuscaloosa? If you're uh, OU, if you just had to. If you had right, to now, right now, I'd say LSU because – I mean, Bama's still Bama. LSU's been down the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can. I mean, I think I'll be interested to see. You know, Tennessee had one really big up of the year, and then this year, okay, they were all right. But I mean, those first four, oh, you could easily start out of the gate five, six, and zero. Oh, right before, I think they could have any trouble. Obviously, at the Red River is really the the you know, the main turning point of your season. If they now in Texas is going to be obviously loaded back again next year, if they could double down and have Jackson Arnold go in and win red river over Quinn Ewers, then, you know, sky could start being the limit. Um, but you know, Oh, you always loses that one game that they shouldn't. And, the the homer in me says, man, would be great to see them lose against Maine. <laughs> I might even have to get a Maine jersey. I don't what, what Maine who the Maine what? Don't care like what? Yeah, what's I, did they even don't, have a mascot? Do not, do not care. Um, Big Twelve football media days. Uh, the report from McMurphy is that. It will not take place in Dallas at AT&T Stadium, as it's been the last few years. That for next year and the year following, they will move to Vegas uh, for media days and be either at the Sphere Allegiant Stadium, the home of the Raiders, or an MGM property of sorts um, for media days. 
Now, Tom, we've been hearing that the 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 four corner schools in BYU have been telling us, you know, how much they want to get Vegas involved in this new Big 12. Vegas there in Nevada is not technically Big 12 territory. Neither is Kansas City technically either. Um, but that is an untapped market. You know, it's kind of just there for the taking after the Pac-12 collapse. And, you know, the 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 Pac-12 schools that joined the Big 10, none of them are terribly close to Vegas either. Um, so it, it's just kind of there for the taking of sorts. That market is. They wanted the football championship and the basketball championship in Vegas. Big 12 said, no, we're keeping the football championship in Dallas. Basketball championship stays in Kansas City, and you're going to deal with it. Um, although I don't like the idea of media days moving, if this is the compromise, I can live with that. Expand the footprint a bit. Maybe we get a trip to Vegas you know, for media days out of it. Spend a couple days out there in the summer. I could be down for that. Um, and, you know, try to expand the reach and get the word out, you know, the, to the media out there in, in the Vegas market. Like I, I, I can live with that. Mike Gundy in Vegas for media days. That would be now really just all the, I mean, all the coaches and all the, you know, even some does of the top he, players. And Does he wear the OAN shirt out there? I don't know. I bet. I bet after that happened, I bet. I bet maybe one of his sons, like Gavin, snuck in and took it and trashed it somewhere. I, I want that OAN shirt. Like I, I would. That that shirt needs to be like memorialized somewhere. Like this is the shirt. Yeah, they need to put that like uh, in like a college football pop culture hall of fame. Right. Gundy got canceled on this day in this shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I don't know. Like, think about, you know, media days, obviously, next year. Just even for OSU, even just think, okay, Ollie Gordon's going to be in Vegas running around with whoever else that they bring to there. I mean, it seems like it could be one hell of a party. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. Um, Big 12 basketball, a uh, couple notes that I want to hit on here real quick. Uh, let's start off with uh, Naquan Tomlin, uh, the uh, K-State star that uh, ultimately we found out last week that the university president overruled the K-State AD um, and head coach and kicked him off the team despite graduating from the university this weekend. And here's a guy that averaged 10 points, seven rebounds last year, was expected to have a significant role in this team. And he says, Jerome Tane, Gene Taylor, uh, I'm, I'm overruling here. This guy's out. Now we find out that he's going to Memphis, that he's committed to play there, and that he's going to be eligible to play in the spring. Um, Tom, I, I still have just as many unanswered questions on this as I did last week. Like if, if he can go play for Memphis and if his coach and his AD supports him, why can't he play for K-State? Like, and for them not to answer and explain what's going on here, they owe it to the K-State fans and the K-State faithful here. I, I, I think this is just a, a very unfortunate situation that, that it had to end like this because um, from the outside, it seems like this could have been avoided. 
Yeah, I mean, I wonder what the wonder what the riff is there between, you know, president and the, you know, AD and obviously Tang. I mean, what I would have liked to have been a fly on the wall in that meeting. Yeah, and like, I don't get what the deal is. And you're taking control away from a young, prominent, you know, rising coach in Jerome Tang. Like, this is the type of stuff that coaches leave over. Like, if you're Jerome yeah. Tang, why would you stay if you're going to be overruled by your president like that? Yeah, it's like, tell the president, so stay in your lane. Like, you know, look where I got this team last year. You just signed the number one recruit next year out of Oklahoma uh, and and that Castillo kid, and you're bringing in new talent, you're doing well, and then this guy just comes in and says, well, fuck your decision. I'm the president. doesn't matter what you think. Kid's out. Yeah. And so then, you, I mean, you look at the players, too, that probably look at their coach. Well, like, you know, he wanted them, but we're getting overruled by – big dick upstairs coming in and just saying, well, don't care about your basketball program. I'm the president. What I say goes. Um, Six big 12 teams in the latest AP top 25 poll. Kansas at two, Houston at four, Baylor at six, Oklahoma at 11, BYU at 18, and Texas at 19. Tom, uh, the two big surprises for me, Oklahoma, Porter, Moser, and company finally putting it together. They're playing some really good basketball. And then BYU. We've talked about BYU a lot on this show. Um, nobody had any expectations for them this year. They've already gotten some big-time wins, including San Diego State. They were picked 13th in the league, and now they're 18th in America. Um, good start for Big 12, and they've represented well in a non-conference play, especially in that uh, – Big East, Big 12 battle a couple weeks ago. I mean, yeah, BYU's a surprise, and I was just going through the rankings, and I'm like, man, uh, OU out of nowhere. Like, seriously, like, uh, that, I saw that, and I was like, man, I'm like, that's, that was the, that was the one that shocked me, still continues to shock me. Uh, like, let's see who they got up next. Like, if you had to schedule OU first off, they they got Green Bay tonight, which, okay, you know, they're still playing some teams who are like, okay, you got – That North Carolina game they play next week is going to be a a one to watch. If they can pull that off, I guess it's – where's the Jumpman Invitational at, do you know? It's in Charlotte. I would assume that's – that's okay. That's what I sound like. That's what I figured it would be. But the way that they have OU – as the home team, it looks like. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's strange. But, yeah, that'll be – man, that'll be a hell of a game. Yeah. Wednesday yeah, well, Next Wednesday night, 8 o'clock. Yeah. I'll have to watch that. Um, And then the Big 12 slate of what's ahead uh, this weekend. KU and Indiana, two Blue Bloods. Um, I expect Kansas to win. Add to that resume. And – Tom, I mean, you look at what Kansas has done, a 9-1 record. You got the win over Mizzou last weekend. You beat UConn. Um, you beat Tennessee. Your one loss is to Marquette, who's a pretty good team in, the, in their own right. And you beat Kentucky. Um, Bill Self and Kansas, they're building about as good of a resume as you could imagine. 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, you 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 mentioned the Marquette game, and you know, bad overall. What they lose by over something over ten points. Yeah, neutral side more. And I mean, you're all the way in Hawaii. You get carried away with the girls in the hula skirts. I get it. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> those coconut bras make me lose my mind too. I, you know. I wouldn't be shooting basketballs. So I'd be shooting something else. But um, you know, yeah, they're 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 doing what KU does every year. You know, they got what they got Indiana this upcoming Saturday, like you mentioned. That's an early game. Yeah, eleven thirty. Yeah, I'll still yeah, be over for my uh, work Christmas party the night before. Yeah. Yeah, no joke, man. That's some early ball. Then you got Yale at home. And you get then you get your Wichita State Shockers coming to Lawrence at coming the end to, of the uh, year. That game's in Kansas City, actually. Yeah. Oh, that'd be that's that'd be fun. Is yeah. it the T-Mobile Center or whatever it's called? Yeah, now? yeah. It'll always be the. Sprint. It's always it's the Sprint Center. Yeah. Um, other games this weekend: LSU and Texas. Uh, Baylor takes on Michigan State. I think Michigan State. Looks like they're going to miss the tournament at this point. They do not look good. Um, Houston finally gets tested. They play against AM in state game. Um, Cincinnati against Dayton, I think, is going to be better than what people think. That's a sneaky good game. Um, I don't think Tech's going to have any problems with Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's not very good. TCU against Arizona State is an interesting matchup. Um, that stands out to me as well. And then you look ahead to Sunday. Uh, K-State can't be losing to teams like Nebraska. Fred Hoiberg and company, they haven't been very good the last couple of years. I know they're 8-2 right now. They're better than what they've been, but those are games you're not supposed to lose. And you got to put this stuff uh, with, uh, you know, that, that we talked about earlier, put you behind you. OSU against Oral Roberts, um, man, that, that'd be – can't afford to lose that one either. Uh, but very interesting. Is that game – that game's probably in Stillwater, I'd imagine. Yeah, that game's in Stillwater. Because um, they just played Tulsa the other night in Oklahoma City. Tom, uh, of those other games this weekend, a lot of good ones. But to me, I, I'm, I think I'm kind of sneaky interested in that Houston-Texas A&M game because I want to see how good Houston really is against some real competition. They've had an easy non-con. Yeah, I would, I would have to agree with you there. Um, and they're... You know, they're obviously unbeaten. You kind of want to see what they're about. Uh, I mean, what's their best win so far? Like, oh, yeah, and they beat them by six. That's not – I mean, that's still a good win, but we expect to you see that. You know, it looks like they did kind of beat up on Dayton a little bit, but, you know, if I had to pick a game other than the Houston A&M game, I would probably pick the in-state Dayton versus Cincy. Uh, I don't know how often they play or if that's a regular thing. Both, since he's only lost one game, Dayton's lost twice. Um, I kind of might have some eyes on that game. You know, I don't know how far is Dayton from Cincy. Probably not incredibly far. Uh, let's give it a little Google look there. Can't say that I've done I don't, my, uh, my Ohio I mean, Search uh, recently. Yeah, Dayton, Ohio to Cincinnati, Ohio. Dayton to Cincy is 54 minutes. 
I mean, I like kind of like that little in-state. And Dayton's always making the tournament somehow. Um, I don't say somehow. They're always somewhere up in the like, yeah. 11 or 12, That's 13 range. I think Grant's done a good job. Yeah, he has. So. Um, That'd be interesting to watch. Yeah, I think so. So, uh, more to come here on the uh, Jones Report. We're going to be joined by Mike Neighbors. Uh, coming up in just a bit, we'll talk some NFL. Coach Bo going to join us, and then uh, we'll wrap up with Tom Fuller. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Jones Report. Join us now on the program this week. Please to welcome in longtime NFL reporter and author of the book, The Breeze Way, which would be perfect for the holidays. Still time to uh, get it while you can uh, for a great Christmas gift. It is Mike Neighbors, who is back on the program once again. Mike, always a pleasure getting to chat. Hope uh, things are going well. Happy holidays to you. How are we doing, man? You too, my friend. Good to be on with you. Yeah. Mike, uh, For go ahead and plug the book away uh, in case somebody's looking for a last-minute Christmas gift or something. Uh, you put this book out uh, about a year or two ago. Still, Still a good read. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, Drew uh, Breeze and I had a unique relationship. We did a show together after every game, 14 of his 15 seasons. And I think if you're a Cowboys fan, if you're a Chiefs fan, if you're a Seahawks fan, if you're a father of a an athlete who's been told they're you know, too small to play the game, you'll like this book. And you don't have to be a Saints fan to like it. But if you are a Saints fan and you're tired of uh, – uh, the car era so far, you'll uh, harken back to the breeze days and maybe enjoy it too. So um, Doug Flutie wrote the foreword for the book, but a lot of great behind the scenes stories of him kind of beating the odds and uh, uh, the lifestyle of an NFL quarterback. So I appreciate you letting me plug it. Of course, of course. Uh, Mike, uh, let's let's go ahead and start off with that team uh, that you covered for so many years, the New Orleans Saints. Uh, you know, there was a lot of excitement about bringing in Derek Carr and competing in that division, which seemed wide open what's gone wrong for the Saints here uh, in a year that seemed like a golden opportunity of sorts? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the word golden opportunity. I mean, this is a franchise that saw the NFC South for what it is. Even with Tom Brady last year, I mean, as you know, it's the worst division in the NFL. So they didn't want to, you know, try to rebuild or even say the word rebuild. Uh, Their cap situation is not ideal. Um, but they picked up Derek Carr with the hopes that, you know, they had a great supporting cast that, you know, they were hoping that Michael Thomas would be healthy, um, that Rashid Shaheed would develop. And, you know, the young receivers on this football team, the Chris Alaves, would really have the core along with Alvin Kamara to support Derek Carr. But Derek Carr, for a number of reasons, hasn't been effective. He's been hurt. He's had a number of injuries, concussions, rib injuries. And frankly, he hasn't been good uh, when he has played. Out there, I know he's been playing hurt, but when he was healthy, he wasn't that good either. And the knock on him in Vegas was, you know, he could put up the big numbers, but he wasn't a good red zone quarterback. And that's been the case in New Orleans. Uh, I think a lot of the cynics are, you know, the Raiders got rid of him for a reason. I mean, Josh McDaniels, say what you wanted about him being a quality head coach in the league, but, you know, didn't like Derek Carr. And they basically said, you know, we don't want you anymore. Um, Dennis Allen, who used to coach him and was around when they drafted him with the Raiders, they really uh, you know, had a good relationship. And I think he liked a lot about Derek Carr. But, boy, he's really taken the brunt of everything that's been wrong with the New Orleans Saints. I mean, every time he touches the football now, um, they're chanting, we want Jameis Winston, we want Taysom Hill. Um, he, he was – I think he gets a guaranteed $80 million. So you combine the fact that he hasn't been effective – 
and hasn't delivered in the way that they anticipated New Orleans with the weak division. I mean, they're going to be lucky to even make the playoffs and win the division at this point. Yeah, and then that begs the question, what do you do after this year? You mentioned all that guaranteed money he's owed. Taysom Hill there, Jameis Winston there. We know it's a terrific quarterback class coming out. What do you think the future holds? And also that coaching staff, I imagine, has got some questions about their future as well. Well, I think you can look at the NFC South, and for every team that doesn't make the playoffs, you can see them getting rid of the coach. I mean, from the Bucs, maybe the Falcons is a bit premature, but maybe not. Um, but I think definitely the Bucks and the Saints, if they don't make the playoffs, I wouldn't be surprised if Dennis Allen gets fired and Todd Bowles. But I think, uh, you know, boy, I, you know, you just look at this football team right now. It should be so much better. I mean, on paper, they're really, really good. But I think, you know, Dennis Allen has proven that he's a great defensive coach, Tyler, but he's not a good head coach. I mean, you, you couple his record with the Raiders and what he's done in New Orleans. It's one of the worst uh, you know, winning percentages in NFL history for a head coach. So um, everything that they thought would happen this year in New Orleans really hasn't happened from Derek Carr to, frankly, the defense. And I think the glaring weakness for this football team is the offensive line. And if you break it down from right tackle to left tackle, I tell you, man, they're they're littered with first-round picks. And they've had good years. Um, Trevor Penning is a guy they moved up to get in the first round has been a big disappointment. He's not even playing right now and he's healthy. Uh, Ryan Ramchick's a guy who's been, you know, proven commodity in the league has made some pro bowls and he's been injured and inconsistent too. So I just think across the board, everything, the saints fan base and, and everything within the organization they thought was going to happen really hasn't happened with maybe the exception of Alvin Kamara having a decent year. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Mike Neighbors joining us here on the Jones Report this week. Uh, Mike, uh, you mentioned the Bucs, uh, the other team that uh, you spent a lot of time around there in your own backyard. And I got to say, you know, they're probably surprising a lot of people being in first place right now. Yeah. But the way Baker Mayfield's played, last I checked, I believe it was 20 touchdowns, eight picks for Baker uh, so far this year. Baker – I think he's been solid. Uh, what, what what do you make make of what he's done in his first year as their starter? Yeah, I mean, I think Baker Mayfield has uh, been better than expected. Frankly, they had a good start, and uh, you know that game against the Texans, he can't help that C.J. Stroud you know, drove down the field on that Bucks defense. I mean, he led a drive that should have been the game winner. I mean, I think he's played well enough for this Bucks team to win the division. And I think he's earned himself a new contract, whether it's somewhere else or with it's with the Bucks. I mean, I think what's going to hurt Baker Mayfield, just real quickly looking at him, is this quarterback late draft coming up. I mean, for a team that needs a quarterback, they're probably going to get one, you know, from all these young guys coming out of college. But I think Baker Mayfield's been fine. I mean, you talked about the uh, touchdown interception ratio. He's led some game winning drives. Um, this is a, a yet a different system for him. I think if he could stay somewhere for a while, it would be interesting. I mean, he led the Browns to the playoffs, and I know he was hurt in Cleveland, but when he was healthy, he had a, a year really similar to this one where he had a lot of touchdown passes and not many interceptions. So I think Baker Mayfield is maybe not a game changer like the upper echelon guys in the league, the Mahomeses, the Burroughs, the Josh Allens, the, you know, you know, I could go on and on there, but I think he's a serviceable quarterback. And I think if he plays for a team that has a good defense and a good surrounding cast, he could take a team to the playoffs and he may take the bucks right now. They're in the driver's seat in this crazy NFC South. Well, and you know, you, you mentioned like salary cap issues with the saints. I think if you're the bucks, you got to be more than happy 
with the salary cap issues they got going on, yeah. to only be spending $4 million on Baker Mayfield, and that's the production you get. That's one of the best bargains, <laughs> I think, of anybody in the league right now. Uh, yeah, this side of Brock Purdy, maybe. Besides Brock Purdy, right. it, it, it might be. I mean, you look at it, even if they draft a quarterback, let's just say they want to draft one of these young quarterbacks, I think Baker Mayfield will be with the Bucks next year and, and get a decent deal because he could be an apprentice or help that, you know, help that young quarterback be an apprentice to him. And, uh, you know, it'd be interesting. You know, maybe somebody will throw a great contract at Baker Mayfield out of the blue uh, because he's proven that, um, you know, once again, I mean, even last year when he had that cameo with the Rams on Thursday Night Football, he's a quick study. He's a smart guy. He's a tough guy. And he he can move around when he wants to, too. So, you know, I don't think he's upper echelon. But I do think he's the kind of guy that can take you to the playoffs if he has that right supporting cast. And maybe the Bucs will just keep adding to that cast because I know Jason Light, their general manager, really is a big fan of Baker Mayfield. And Todd Bowles, if they do win the division, I mean, they had some options in the offseason at picking quarterbacks. And Todd Bowles, the defensive-minded coach, wanted Baker Mayfield. So he was popular in that building, obviously coming in, and he's only enhanced his reputation through, the last few, um, through this season so far. Well, and, and credit where credit's due to Dave Canales, the uh, the OC, you know, look at what Geno Smith is without him this year. Uh -huh. Geno's taken a big step back. Boy, and yeah. He and Baker Mayfield been a nice combination there in, in, in Tampa Bay. Comparably speaking, you know, a year ago, Leftwich and Tom Brady weren't on the same page. Seems like that there's something good going on between the uh, the, the the quarterback and the OC here. Yeah. And he's never really been an OC full time. I mean, he's yeah. uh, worked with uh, you know different offensive coordinators, and obviously worked with Pete Carroll over the years, who's more of a defensive minded guy. But I think he's he's helped himself. It's just funny though. I mean, it looked like Canales and Mayfield every week is kind of an up and down deal. I mean, before they beat the Falcons, I don't think their stock was very high. But in the early part of the year, they were three and one. I mean, that's how the NFL is. And that's how the NFC South has been really the last couple of years. So uh, I think that's a good point with Geno Smith and Baker Mayfield. That's definitely helped his resume a lot. He's a high energy guy. As you know, he's a real popular guy uh, with the media and I think inside that locker room too. So it's just so funny though. I mean, as I mentioned, they're riding a nice wave right now, beating the Atlanta Falcons, but it'll be interesting to see how we feel about both of those parties in about a month. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Uh, the schedule's not easy coming up either, you know? That's true. That's yeah. true. Um, we mentioned uh, about players in their future. What about Mike Evans? Uh, what does that look like for uh, the possibility of him staying in, in Tampa Bay beyond this year? I know that they were talking contract stuff before the season began and everything. What are they going to do about Mike Evans, you think? You know, it's interesting. I, I think Evans obviously won that contract before the season, but in hindsight, it's kind of good he waited, right? I think he's going to have more leverage now with the Bucs, and I would be shocked, really, if the Bucs don't keep Mike Evans. Uh, you know, I was asked by a local radio station this week, and they asked me this every year, to give me the top 10 athletes in Tampa Bay. And usually, you know, you can throw out a couple bucks pretty quickly, right, especially when Brady was here. Mike Evans is the only buck who made my top 10. There's so many great hockey players. The Rays have had a good year. And that tells you about the leverage that Mike Evans has in his football team. I mean, think about it. And I know this is a, a weird way to look at it. But if you're playing fantasy football, um, a lot of teams you may throw out two or three names. Who are you going to pick with the Bucks? I mean, Chris Godwin's had a down year. I know he's been hurt and banged up a little bit. Uh, Richard White's uh, actually picked up things in, in the backfield a little bit. But Mike Evans is still word association. You think Bucks? you think Mike Evans. Not only lately, 
but he'll be, I think he'll be a Hall of Famer one day. He'll be in the team's ring of honor. So I think he has uh, actually benefited from not signing that deal before the season. I think he has more leverage now. And yeah, like I said, I, I would be shocked if he doesn't come back. And for those who don't know a lot about Mike Evans, I know you do, Tyler, but he's as good a guy off the field as he is a player on the field. I mean, he's great to deal with. He's great in the community. So he has the whole package and I think it's a big reason why the Bucs want to keep him in so many ways. And I think he he's proven that he still has some good years left moving forward, too. Well, and, and as far as the aspect of, of being just a good person and such, it caught my attention early in the the you know, offseason, or I, I say early enough, before the season, when there was all the reports, speculation that he didn't like the idea of playing with Baker Mayfield, that they weren't seeing eye to eye, getting along, and he put that to bed right away, said that, you know, he'll do whatever it takes to support Baker, that Baker's his guy. And they've, they've been a nice combo this year. You know, it's funny that you bring that up because, uh, you know, I think everybody has this opinion about Baker Mayfield. And I think the high, it's a high percentage of not good because he's such a flamboyant, controversial guy. But Derek Carr's been the guy to get involved with his teammates. I mean, he had an argument with the, you know, his starting center last week. He's gone back and forth with Chris Olave and the offensive coordinator, Pete Carmichael. I haven't heard anything from Baker Mayfield. He, he's gotten along with his teammates great. I mean, Mike Evans is an example of that. I don't know if there's a more misunderstood player maybe in the NFL than Baker Mayfield. I mean, I like a guy who's cocky. I like a guy, a running, uh, a quarterback who's going to run for a first down and get up and kind of pump his chest and and be confident. I think the team feeds off of that, and we've seen that a lot in the angry runs that Baker has. I think he feeds off of that. So I haven't heard a peep about Baker Mayfield being a problem in the locker room with the coaching staff, with the media. Uh, I really think he's misunderstood in a lot of ways. I agree, hundred uh, percent. Mike Neighbors. Uh, NFL reporter and author joining us here at the program this week. Uh, Mike, uh, let's stay in the NFC. The way this conference is shaken out, you know, the Niners obviously look good. The Eagles, I know that they're down right now, but still a very good football team. Cowboys look really good. In your opinion, who, who's the best team in the NFC at the moment? I think it's San Francisco. Um, I don't know who's going to stay healthy. If San Francisco stays healthy, I think we were kind of going back and forth with Philly and San Francisco. But when San Francisco really laid the lumber on Philly a couple of weeks ago, I think we saw if this team can stay healthy, they're the best team, not only in, in the NFC, I think they're the best team in football right now. I mean, the, the drafting that John Lynch has done uh, with his staff, and his front office and his crew has been remarkable. I mean, they got a little lucky with Brock Purdy. I think they would admit that. But, you know, besides that, I mean, we can break down offensively, defensively, and the way they beefed up that D-line, I'm getting Christian McCaffrey in a trade. I mean, Debo Samuel's back, and he's happy. They've done a good job drafting. They've done a good job picking up the right free agents and keep keeping people happy like Debo Samuel as well. And you got to be lucky sometimes, right? Brock Purdy... I can't tell you how much I love his story, but we've seen it over and over with the DeVitos and the Giants. And, you know, I mean, a lot of quarterback stories are great this year, but none is better than Brock Purdy. And I get a kick out of people who continually say he's a product of the system. I just think that's a bunch of garbage. I think if you threw Derek Carr on, you know, the, the San Francisco 49ers, and you threw Brock Purdy on the Saints. I think the Saints would be better, and I don't think the Niners would be as good. I'm not saying he, a supporting cast doesn't make a difference, but what are you going to say the same thing about 
you know, Peyton Manning. You can say the same thing about Joe Montana and Steve Young when they played in San Francisco. I'm a huge Purdy fan, and I just love the story. And I think a lot of the hate is the perception that he was Mr. Relevant. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's one of those things where perception isn't reality. But, you know, 25 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 2,500 yards. (laughs) He's doing everything that's being asked of him. And I understand, sure, he doesn't look the part. He doesn't have the strongest arm. I think he'd be the first to tell you that, too. But, I mean, he's not getting in his own team's way, and he's winning football games. He's, As far as I'm concerned, he's doing everything that it's, that's asked of him. Well, I mean, how many times are we going to have to see this, whether it's the combine or whether it's his first-round quarterback bus? I mean, you know, you mentioned my book on Breeze. Breeze didn't have the strongest arm in the world, but the common denominator with all these quarterbacks who are effective – maybe besides Mahomes because he's just a unicorn, is they're accurate. They're right. accurate. They can they can hit every pass, and they're smart. And they make all the right decisions. If you're accurate and you make the right decisions, you're a viable starting quarterback a long time in the NFL, and you got to stay healthy too, obviously. But we've seen it over and over again. I'm always surprised of how you know it's pro scouts swing and miss, but we're seeing it really this year with a lot of starting quarterbacks who are young, were drafted late, or weren't drafted at all, or barely, you know, almost not drafted like Brock, Brock Purdy and still making waves in the NFL. Just be accurate and make the right decisions. Yeah, yeah, he's doing a great job of that. Uh, with, with that said, uh, you mentioned you know, like the Niners. Uh, you know, you look at that Dallas Cowboys team, Mike. Yeah. You know, that I've seen this song before where <laughs> they have a great regular season. They look the part. Dax, an MVP candidate, Jerry Jones, I know he's gotten a lot of flack for his work as a GM. Yeah. Might be executive of the year this year with the work that he's done with that roster. Everything's there, but can they do it come playoff time? That that question still remains. Well, here's the deal, Tyler. They had to let Jimmy Johnson in the uh, the circle, and then they're going to be fine. They just yeah. had to let him back in the circle. Once they did that, and they're going to do that, right, coming up? Yes, yes. Uh, yeah. End of the month. Yeah, he goes in the ring of honor, yeah. I think the ring of honor is the key. You let Jimmy Johnson back and it's not really a divorce anymore. We're all hugging it out and we're, we're fine. But, but seriously, yeah, I think Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy, Jerry Jones, I should say, finally learned he's got to listen. Um, you know, he's got to listen to those around him who know football and you know have experience with these things. But boy, you got to love this Cowboys team. I mean, I mentioned really seeing the 49ers separate themselves beating the Eagles I think that was a defining game that the Cowboys won against the Eagles because you heard it in Dallas. I mean, yeah, the team looks great, but the schedule's weak. They're not beating anybody. Well, yeah, they they beat the Eagles pretty good. So I think you're going to find out a lot about a lot of teams in the NFL in the next month. Uh, you know, I mentioned the NFC South and all of its craziness, but you're going to find a lot about the Dallas Cowboys because, as you know, the schedule is not easy coming up. But boy. It's hard to bet against them in any of those games, the way they're putting up points and the way they're playing complimentary football. And, oh, by the way, you have a decent kicker, which is one of the best stories I've ever seen. The fact, what is he, 30 for his first 30? It's great. It's a crazy story to me. Yeah, yeah, no question about it. And, you know, with Dak, I think the, the big question over his career has been the turnover problems. We've seen, you know, in the past, what was it, a couple of years ago, he led the league in picks. He's taking care of the football. For me, that was the only thing I think, holding him back if if Dak takes care of the football I don't I don't see any reason why Dallas uh mark my words can't find a way to get to the Super Bowl uh, I I think that's the one thing that they would would have to overcome of sorts if he takes care of the football I think this team's gonna be fine 
Yeah, and boy, how about his receiving core? I mean, Pollard, I mean, boy, he just – in the offensive line, I mean, he has everything going for him, but he's really – personified the Cowboys in recent years where just when you want to believe in Dak, he loses that big game, makes that big turnover, whether, you know, Jacksonville last year kind of comes to mind. That yeah. was a, that was a big loss for the Cowboys, but yeah, I, I definitely think those in the league and, you know, those who really follow this game have a lot of respect for Dak Prescott and what he's done uh, just has to eliminate errors. I mean, it goes back yeah. to being accurate and making the right moves. I mean, he's done all of that. He just needs consistency and not making mistakes and uh, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. One more, one more team I'll ask you about in the NFC. Then we can talk to the AFC side. That The Philadelphia Eagles team, um, clearly Jalen Hurts isn't 100%. They haven't looked good the last few weeks. Um, how concerned do you think Philly should be as far as Jalen's status goes and if he'll get back on track? Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting team because for a while you really applauded them because they weren't playing great, but they were finding a way to win. And I think, you know, the way they played against San Francisco and the way they played against Dallas, I mean, they're a playoff team, you know, but they're not a team that's really had a great game this year. They haven't really dominated like many of us think they can. I mean, with this unbelievable depth on both sides of the ball and the way they drafted, I mean, they had, I think the best draft of any team last year. Um, we don't know the depths of Jalen Hurts, but obviously I agree with you. Something is not right. He's not the player, the MVP type player he was a year ago. So you know, I don't think he's going to heal over the next month. I think there'll be a team that could be dangerous in the playoffs. But, yeah, I mean, I think Dallas is better, and I think San Francisco is better right now. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. Let's uh, let's head over to the, the AFC side. Wide open. Uh, <laughs> the, the Chiefs were the favorites, but nobody can catch the football there. I know the Ravens hold that one seed right now, but there's question marks about how far they can go without Mark Andrews, although they have looked good without him the last couple of weeks. In your opinion, uh, who do you like most uh, in the AFC right now, Mike? You know what? It's so hard for me, despite their ups and downs, um, to bet against Kansas City. But I do think it's interesting. It looks like Mahomes is going to have that first road playoff game in his career, which to me is just a stat that personifies his greatness. I mean, it's not like he just joined the league. I mean, he's been around for a long time and hasn't had that road playoff game yet. You just mentioned Baltimore, though. As much as I'm impressed by Miami, you have the Mahomes factor. Um, we could talk about Sean Payton a little bit. I think he's sneaky, kind of coach of the year kind of guy. Let's see how the Broncos finish up. But I like Baltimore. I mean, I've always been a big um, uh, John Harbaugh uh, you know, fan of the way he's built that team. And um, you look at longevity. I mean, people talk about Mike Tomlin. I know he's struggling this year, never had a losing record. I think with all the noise – with John Harbaugh's brother, sometimes John Harbaugh, even though he won that Super Bowl, is still kind of underrated nationally. But he's quietly just continues to keep his team in contention year after year after year in the salary cap era. And when everybody was talking about Lamar Jackson and everybody was picking quarterbacks in the top 10, they pick Lamar Jackson and they re-sign Lamar Jackson. And last time I checked, they still have him. And they've built that football team. And I think it's really good on both sides of the football. If I had to pick right now, I'll take Baltimore. Even though Kansas City, I don't care what happens. Mahomes always has a chance. I still like Baltimore a little bit better right now. Well, and, and, and you know, the big question, when they lost Mark Andrews, how would they adapt accordingly? Yeah. I say it likely looks really good the last yeah. two weeks. And then, you know, say Flowers has had solid, solid year. But OBJ, after a rough start and dealing with injuries, now, Mike, I'm looking at OBJ. 
this kind of reminds me of the role he played on that Rams Super Bowl run a couple of years ago now. Yeah, I mean, early on, you're thinking, wow, this is a guy that looked like he was going to be a Hall of Famer, and injuries are just going to hold him back. But can you imagine if Baltimore makes a run and he's a big part of it, the kind of career that he's had? I mean, obviously, Mr. You know, New York City and the big catch and everything he did with the Giants. And then, you know, could have been the Super Bowl MVP was on his way with the Rams. And now, you know, you knew they were taking it slow with him and it's all paid off. Um, especially at the right time with Andrews and his injury and everything. So, so many great stories in the NFL. There's a reason why it's the best league. I mean, from the NFC South to everything we're talking about uh, with the Cowboys, let's see if a lot of things can happen that we haven't seen happen with teams. The last month is going to be so much fun to watch. It's oh. it's such drama every week. And you know what? I'll use the Bucks again as an example. This league, like no other, Every week, the stock rises and falls with teams, with coaches, with players, more than any other league in sports. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Kansas City, and, and you know that team's still a team to watch, obviously, as the reigning Super Bowl champions. Um, you know, it's been well-documented, their receiver issues, and Mahomes and his receivers not being on the same page. You still have Travis Kelsey there, obviously. But something tells me, Mike, that, you know, this is still Patrick Mahomes, still Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey. Playoffs are, you know, a month away. There's still time to figure this out. Like, I, I think it's – I think you'd probably agree. It's, it's way too early to be writing off this team. They, they got Andy Reid and companies done this before where maybe yeah. everything wasn't perfect, but they found ways to work through adversity here. Yeah, I saw it in New Orleans for many years with Drew Brees. I mean, Drew Brees didn't have a, a Pro Bowl wide receiver. Um, until Michael Thomas, if you can believe that. Yeah. And that was way after he won a Super Bowl. And so my point in telling you that, even though, by the way, Marcus Colston should have been a pro bowler, but that's a whole different yes. argument. Pat Mahomes is like Drew Brees, is like Tom Brady, frankly. Tom Brady, he had Gronk, but he never won a Super Bowl with Randy Moss. He won Super Bowls with the Edelmans and the Amadolas, and he made receivers better. Mahomes is that kind of player, but he's even more jazzier than the Breezes and the and the Bradys. So it, to me, it's interesting that Mahomes, people talk about, you know, he lost this guy or he lost that guy. The best quarterbacks find a way to make it happen. That's why I never bet against Mahomes. That's kind of why I'm reluctant with Baltimore, because I've seen it happen in New Orleans for years where he would find Lance Moore. And he would find Robert Meacham. And he would make all these guys better because Drew Brees was a great quarterback in the same ilk as, as Patrick Mahomes. Uh, we got a little bit of time left. Uh, you mentioned Sean Payton and the Broncos. I know you're very familiar with Sean and everything. Things started off bad. Uh, I think that – Real bad. Real bad. Yeah. <laughs> that defeat to the Dolphins caught everybody's attention when they gave up 70 points. But since then, that team's really turned things around and – you know, Russell Wilson has played so good. And you look at their schedule down the stretch, it's pretty friendly here. I mean, I know we were just talking about the Chiefs and, you know, how they'll figure it out. It's not impossible. The Broncos might end up actually winning the division. No, I, I, as much as uh, I'm a, a, you know, a uh, fan of Drew Brees in terms of watching him play for so many years, not, not a fan in terms of a fan, but just respect factor I have. You know, I don't think he would have made it without Sean Payton in the same way. I mean, if he would have gone to Miami and Nick Saban, I think Drew Brees would have had a good career. But he had a great career because of Sean Payton. And the reason I bring that up, look at Russell Wilson. He was lost last year. 
And Russell Wilson is back. He's not back to what we saw in the prime of his career in Seattle. But Sean Payton's a hell of a football coach. And they miss him in New Orleans because, frankly, Dennis Allen is not the alpha that Sean Payton is. Sean Payton, uh, you know, he's, he's not going to hold back with people. Uh, at any layer of the organization, he's going to come in there and turn things around. That's why, you know, he, he patterns his coaching a lot after Bill Parcells, his mentor. But I'm watching Sean Payton and think about it. You know, they let 70 points go on the board against the Miami Dolphins. That would have just hurt a locker room for a lot of teams. And and frankly, you know, everything that he said in the offseason, um, he said a lot of things that I'm sure he regrets and you know, he did a lot of things that I think um, run Sean Payton like, I think, publicly. But I think he is, at the, his core, a game changer in terms of a head coach. And we're seeing that in Denver now. I mean, um, after everything that's happened early in the year, I agree with you. I think their schedule is favorable. If this team makes the playoffs, how is Sean Payton not the coach of the year? I mean, it's an amazing run. And it just goes back to the point, week to week in the NFL, it's why we love it. You never know. A team gets on a roll, especially this time of year. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, it is. Uh, certainly uh, of what that Denver team has gone through. And and I know that Sean's an offensive guy and everything, but uh, credit to Vance Joseph here because, uh, Mike, we mentioned that 70-point yeah. performance a large part of their success this second half of the season has been what the defense has done to turn things around. Like they're, they've gone from one of the worst to one of the best defenses in the league. They almost had a shutout a week ago. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's amazing. And, you know, I, I just give, uh, you know, I cover Sean Payton for so many years. And when you're around Sean Payton, uh, even as a member of the media, you, you kind of feel an edge to him at all times. And I think that is good for a football team because they know, that, um, you know, mistakes aren't tolerated. Um, any kind of things off the field aren't tolerated. There's a standard when you walk into a team in a locker room with Sean Payton, but also just his imagination offensively. I mean, I'm watching Russell Wilson and some of the play calling, and it's just so impressive to me. I mean, it's everything I saw in New Orleans. I mean, expect the unexpected with Sean Payton. Uh, you, know, you know, he's famous for the onside kick in the Super Bowl, but he does it every game. There's always some different twist. It's also interesting to me in Denver – is that the Saints uh, were going to, you know, they let go of Will Lutz, the kicker. He picks him up. Will Lutz has had a better year with the Denver Broncos than the kicker they have in New Orleans. He picks up Adam Troutman as this journeyman tight end. He's been a big contributor to the uh, Denver Broncos. So I know Mickey Loomis has been the general manager for years in New Orleans, but Sean Payton is not only a great head coach, he's a great evaluator of talent, and he's a great offensive mind. So you have all those factors it makes him a good head coach. And you mentioned uh, Van Joseph. Uh, Van, I mean, he's a great guy in terms of putting together a staff, too. I mean, Dan Campbell, before he's with the Lions, was with Sean Payton in New Orleans and talks about to this day the advice that Sean Payton gave him being a head coach. So there's a lot of guys like that in the league. His tree is growing, and uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of his in terms of how he can turn teams around. Yeah, yeah. Mike, I uh, appreciate you joining us, man. Uh where can people uh, follow you and see the stuff you're doing and also uh, check out your uh, your book on Drew Brees there? I think I lost you for a second. I'm on Twitter, um, at Mike Neighbors, N-A-B, as in boy, O-R-S. Uh, I still freelance quite a bit. Full-time professor now at uh, Florida Southern College. And, uh, of course, check out The Breeze Way, uh, my 
a book on Drew Brees. If you're a football fan and you like the underdog story, uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Mike, uh, thanks for the time, man. We'll uh, talk in down the line and uh, appreciate you joining us. Anytime, my friend. Happy holidays to you. Time for Coach Bill's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advice Group. You can find O'Connor Advice Group online, OHGCast.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com. You can also check out the Coach Bo Knows podcast. New episodes coming soon, wherever you're listening to podcasts. Coach Bo joins us right now. Bo, how are we doing? Doing good, Tyler, man. Everything's, uh, everything's moving forward, getting ready for the holidays. So are you ready for the holidays? I'm, I'm almost there. I'm I'm not there mentally. I do have a holiday party this weekend, but uh, I'm not – quite all there yet okay the where what so is this, this holiday party from? this is gonna be fun this is gonna be something i can worry about you do i have to keep tabs on you like you I'm might like in, fact, in fact if you want to just go ahead and schedule a text for like about 11 o'clock on friday night i, I that would be uh, appreciated because it is i know the holiday parties can be a little bit dangerous bo this is a work christmas party uh, where we got a, a party bus, alcohol included, steak dinner, uh, going out for drinks and going to the uh, professional bull riding finals. Got a suite and everything. And they're going to be drinking there all night, downtown Fort Worth and stockyards and everything and and doing that. So the goal is to come home in one piece. I think you'll be fine. Yeah, nope. and that's a really that's a really cool holiday party to go to that and the to get a suite and do that. That's that's really nice. Is that yeah. that chat doing that for you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're uh, they're taking care of us. Chat for that's a, that's a really cool Christmas party. Yeah, uh, it'll be a great time. So certainly look forward to it. But uh, you know, certainly we'll enjoy enjoy ourselves on that front. Uh, but let's, let's start with the NFL side of things. Um, last week we told you on this program, uh, Bo and I both were of the opinion that. The Patriots would not be firing Bill Belichick because he was too valuable of a piece because there will be other teams interested and that they might end up being able to, being able to trade Bill Belichick. Tom Curran, uh, Patriots insider with NBC Sports Boston, reports this week that the decision has already been made, that Belichick and the Patriots will part ways, but he will finish the season Bo, this is kind of right in line what we talk about here because it creates two paths, right? Either path A, he finishes out the season, they trade him to where he wants to go, or path B, they get to mutually part ways and he retires and goes out somewhat gracefully of some sorts here. Like, it's not going to be a straight-up firing, if you will. Um, It's going to be one of those two directions here. Yeah, I think it's definitely one of the two directions we just talked about. You just mentioned there. I think that you look at it and you don't want to just fire the old man. And frankly, you don't want to pay. I mean, that's part of me, part of it, too. I mean, you got to pay for two coaches if you do that. Um, yeah, this is probably something that if, if this report is true, which I mean, I'm going to make any assumptions it is. If this report's true, it's probably negotiated already. Your craft and Belichick probably come together about this already. And this is probably something they went together and said, hey, this isn't going to work moving forward. What's our best for both faces? I mean, Kraft has to worry about what the franchise is going to do. Having lost Tom Brady a couple of years ago, and then you lose Bill Belichick, you know, how does that affect the value of your franchise? Right. And going forward, what do you do? I put my best face forward on that. And then for Belichick, it's really about legacy at this point. 
I mean, he's he's on Mount Rushmore as far as the greatest coaches in the history of football or the NFL for sure. And you got to say to him, it's okay. Do you want to go somewhere else? What does your future look like? Is it going to be coaching somewhere else or is it going to be going to TV or, you know, some kind of media? Um, You know, he's 71 years old. I don't know that, I don't know that going somewhere and starting anew is what Bill Belichick is going to want to do. If I had to make some kind of guess, I think he probably goes into some kind of media. I think that the Patriots have made some kind of deal already with him. They'll put him in the ring of honor next year. If he doesn't coach somewhere else, or if he does coach somewhere else, the first time he comes back, he'll get put in the ring of honor there. And I mean, this is, um, I think it's more important to look at what do each side want to get out of it? And then also figure out from there, how are they going to be judged in history together? The franchise, the ownership in the franchise, and Belichick. And, and I think that that's more of the story for me than anything else. I, I don't think it's a straight-up fire. I think if, this is more of Belichick knew going in. He's either going to have to be really great this year or they're going to have to part ways. It's pretty if clear where he was, Belichick he does ultimately get traded, if he coaches for another team, Bo, um, there's a couple things that come to mind. You can't let him be GM. He's been a terrible ev- talent evaluator the last few years. You'd have to b- have a separate GM from Belichick. Um, but then I also look at the coaching side of things. That defense, think about this. Matthew Judon, their best defensive player, has been out most of the year. Christian Gonzalez, their star rookie, has been out most of the year. And that defense still has played pretty good. And, you know, have played well above expectations defensively. They haven't gotten the offense right. They didn't get it figured out with Mac Jones and all that. Is there enough confidence for Bill Belichick, you think, for somebody to still want to have him as their head coach? Not to mention he's 71 years old. Would 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 Coach Bo, would, would Coach Bo as an owner be making a trade to go get Bill Belichick right now? Probably not. It's the best. The best I can answer is probably not. Um, you know, I have previous my previous life before the last last what ten months have been a New Orleans Saints fan. It was posed to me this question from someone in New Orleans Saints land: Would you release Dennis Allen and take Bill Belichick? And I said, Yeah, I would in that situation. Uh, take anything over Dennis Allen in that situation, but. Um, it would be very hard to take Bill Belichick and give him, because you're going to have to give him carte blanche. He is Bill Belichick. And then you have to set up and say, okay, well, what is it you're wanting to do? What is your vision? How long will it take you to put this vision in place? And is an owner willing to just give over the reins like this? I, I see one. One situation where the owner is just crazy enough to do it. Actually, I said two, but one where I think it actually could happen. Carolina. There's a few teams for me that come to mind. Carolina's one, obviously. Tipper is a terrible owner, and he's crazy yeah, enough. Tipper is, is temperamental, and it yes. would be a good idea for him to go get someone. That'd be a win for him in a press conference. Yes. So you have turned operations to Bill Belichick. Um, Washington comes to mind. Um, also, two other organizations potentially for me 
the Raiders. That was the other one for me. And the Chargers. Yeah, I couldn't see the Spanos paying him. The Chargers deal, I think it might be more Belichick interested in that job than them interested in him. I could see Belichick being like, yeah, I'm moving to L.A. I want to go coach Justin Herbert. I can see that, but I can't see the Spanos hiring him. Yeah. And that's just the thing there. The Raiders make a lot of sense just because, again, you kind of have to have someone's a little bit batshit crazy. And, and they love the Patriot connections there. Yeah. And um, I don't think he would care. He being Belichick would care that his former pupil was the one who got fired. Uh, I don't think that would bother Belichick at all. To me, those are the, the two spots would be Las Vegas and Carolina. Carolina is the one that I think makes sense. I just don't know. Again, if he was even five years younger, my answer would be different. My answer yeah. would be probably so. Or yes. Yeah. 71-year-old coach, you know, having to go in and start anew. We've seen Bill Belichick do the grind. And we've seen him be successful twice. Yeah. And I say twice because once it was in New England, look, he's done a phenomenal job in New England. If you go back to when he was in Cleveland, they were on the cusp. Like, they were so good. And they had an early exit in the playoffs, and they moved, they fired everybody. Right. So that staff, and when he was putting together there, they stay there, or they stay together, and they go to the Ravens, it would have been special, too. Yeah. You know, I think we'll likely see Bill, my opinion, we'll likely see Belichick move on now. And I think we're going to see him in media somewhere. Whether that's on a pregame show, I don't know how likely he is to be good at that. He was great on game day last week. Yeah, he was. If we see the personality, he'll be great. Um, I would love to see him being in some sort of an online media. Um, Whether that be, you know, ESPN doing something with ESPN Plus. I don't know if it's a full Manning cast idea, but something where you get Belichick to talk about the game itself because he's wicked smart about the game. He understands the history of the game. Yeah, he won an Emmy for his work on the NFL 100 show a couple years ago. I was going to bring that up too. His work, when he was on NFL 100, he was the best part of that. Yes. He really, not only does he understand it, he was able to comment and communicate it in a way that was easily understood. Yes. Even in novices. And so I, I think there's a place for him in media, and he's not too old for that. Yeah. Let's shift gears uh, to Kansas City. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and company lose again this past week. You had the infamous offsides penalty on uh, Kadarius Tony there. Bo, um, look, whether you like the call or not, it's the right call. He was offsides. Um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a Patrick Mahomes fan. I love this Chiefs team, Andy Reid and everything, but I thought it was very immature and childish to see them complaining about that call for Mahomes to complain to Josh Allen afterwards and everything. I understand officiating sucks right now. It is as bad as I think I've ever seen in this league, but that's not why you lost that football game there. I mean, I'm, I'm tired of this expectation we see from Patrick Mahomes every week looking for a call in every play. I mean, it's it, it's getting out of hand. Okay. I agree with most of what you said. Almost all of it. 
It, well, let me rephrase it. I read all of that. I'm going to say this. In the moment it happened, the words that I used was bitch ass. Um, and the reason is, is that I hated him coming to the to the sidelines, slamming his helmet down, yelling at referees. And then what he did with Josh Allen, there's no better word to express this than to say classless. Now, I'm going to say it this way. I'm going to be very clear about this. I'm not Patrick Mahomes' biggest fan, but what I will say is I admire him. I yeah. admire his talent. I admire the human being for who he appears to be off the field. I have heard stories locally in Kansas City about him walking into restaurants and buying everybody's dinner. I have heard stories left and right of him doing things for people when he didn't have to. I've heard nothing but good things about Patrick Mahomes. And so this is why I'm going to use this word is disappointing. Yep. It's disappointing in the one moment in his career where he really needed to show leadership, he didn't. And I'm not going to let it affect how I feel moving forward. In the moment, I thought it was very bitch-ass. I thought it was very disappointing. And I was beyond disappointed to see how he behaved on the sideline. That's not what a leader does. It's not what the guy who is the franchise does. Now, say this in his defense. One, the penalty is the penalty. I ain't changing the thing about that. It is. It was a penalty then, it's a penalty now. I thought what Patrick Mahomes said at the press conference was classless. I thought it was ignorant. For him to say that penalty cost him the game is bullshit. He threw three incomplete passes in the next three plays. Um, that's, I mean, he had time. He did that. Uh, not only that, he also... He also says, you know, you don't throw the flag in that situation. You throw the flag. The play happened after the flag was thrown. Patrick Mahomes was behaving and, and talking, speaking, like the flag was thrown after the play was over. Like it was taken away from him. Right. I'll also say I think that no quarterback since Tom Brady with the Patriots has gotten the benefit of calls as much as Patrick Mahomes has in the last few years. And so I think that's why I think it's even more classes. It, 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 you said it was sounding whiny and complaining. It was that. Now I'm going to say this in Patrick Mahomes' defense now. We don't know what's going on behind closed doors. And I'll tell you what really I think this really is. I don't think he's mad at referees. I don't think he's mad at Travis Kelsey. I don't think he's mad at – I think he's pissed at that, that right wide receiver room. I think he's pissed at the fat guy with the, with the Waffle House menu. I think he's pissed at his offensive coordinator. I think he's pissed at his GM. And I guarantee you, whether it's 20 years from now or 15 or 30, whatever the Patrick Mahomes autobiography comes out, and they talk about this season, he's going to admit his frustration with the organization, with the head coach, with the offensive coordinator and with the wide receivers. Yep. But he can't say that now because he'll lose the team. Yeah. And so he took it out on the one place that everyone in his sideline can get behind, and that's the, the, the referees. Now, I don't like that. I think the better way for Patrick Mahomes to have done that is to say, go to the, go, you go up to the microphone at the end of the game and said, look, 
I don't agree with the call, but that's the call and that's the game. And what he did with Josh Allen, that was beyond classes. He should have known better. Now I understand he's talked to Josh Allen since then, and and you know that is what it is. And I and I and I think that's regrettable. And I think Patrick Mahomes regrets it too. Right. He knows better. He knows better today than he did that day. But I think well, the nuance of it is important. Yeah, I think the yes. piece about it that has to be said is that in the end, the frustration is not with that referee. I will give audience to one thing I didn't agree with you on. You said that refereeing has been been bad, like bad as it's ever been. Here's why I somewhat disagree. I don't think there's any difference in the in the the quality of refereeing today as there was two years ago, five years ago, or ten years ago, or twenty years ago. The issue is that the game is faster. The players are faster and more athletic, and now we have cameras in every position that can say yes or no and give us information. We can't, the referees cannot live, always be correct. And that's True. difficult. I mean, because you can go back if it would be, if you flipped it and you could, and we can go and overturn every play, there'd be certain players on the field that wouldn't like that. I think we're asking too much of referees to, if we're going to say, well, officiating is just terror. No, it's the same as it was a year ago, two years ago, five years ago. It's just that we have more information now. And it's damn hard to be a referee live. But sure. players get bigger, stronger, faster. I mean, and we're asking them to know more and do more. When we have all these high speed cameras, you know, you know 1080p, HBT, I mean, all that stuff, I don't know, technical stuff that we have to prove it. Of course, they're going to look bad when they make a mistake. But who doesn't make a mistake? Yeah, I mean, I look at it, though, and more so the college side, way too much dependence on replay of, hey, we're going to let, instead of what we're seeing with our eyes tell us, we're going to call it one way, and then we're going to go to replay and look for, you know, to see what's going on there. And then you got to have indisputable evidence. So we didn't call it right on the field intentionally because we want to go to replay. Now we got to have indisputable evidence to overturn the call we didn't get right anyway. To me, it, it's yeah. it's just too much. Just call what you see. I'll, I'll hear that argument, and I agree with that argument. And that's happened in college and the NFL. We saw that a couple times this weekend. Yeah. So the continuation of a play, you go, okay, well, now we're asking either blow the whistle the play was dead or not. I do agree with that. And I think that because of replay, that's changed how refs are refing. I'll listen to that argument. I don't think it changes the quality. It changes how we've asked them to ref. That's oh, I think, I think it changes quality. Because you're not going to call it right. asking them to do something different. Now, I think that's what it is. You're asking them to do something different. I'm not asking them to do that. Well, I think that that's what the leagues are asking. Otherwise, you wouldn't see, uh, was it the, I think it was the Monday night game, the, the, the Dolphins game where there was a turnover in that game, and it was questionable whether it was a, 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 a turnover, and they let the play go as a turnover, and then they go and review it and go, no, this wasn't a turnover. Um, you know, I'll give you another example. In the Chiefs game, um, the pass that was – who had the pass that they said it was incomplete or it was it was, it was completed and it was knocked out and it was a fumble <laughs> recovery by Buffalo. Yeah. Who, who was that? Refresh my memory. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Okay. To me, that wasn't a catch. Yeah. He didn't put the ball away. 
I was like, that's that's that's, that's an incomplete pass. Right. They let the play go out. And I, so I agree with what you're saying. I think they're asking too much. I think if we're going to talk about officiating, the worst part of officiating to me right now in the NFL, at least, is when the the um, when the networks bring on the official, like the the previous official, and they're going to explain everything. Oh, the rules are going to be in the, the upfront apologist for yes. what's going to about to happen. Yeah, yes. they're never they're never going to say this was wrong. Yeah, it's more of a yeah the the one guy that does is gene sterator uh and i've been reading that the league is is not happy with gene sterator uh believe it or not uh because he's the one guy that kind of yeah that's what i mean the other ones follow the company line yeah right Uh, and, and and i think like gene's the best for that reason uh, Gene sounds like a medical condition. Gene Sterator. That Gene sounds like a Sterator. medical condition. You just got diagnosed with Gene Sterator. <laughs> yeah, Gene. see? Boom. Gene Sterator. Hey, Holmes, you got yeah, the Gene Sterator. Like oh, shit. Oh, goddamn. What's, what's really funny is when we get a college basketball season, and I always forget that Gene Sterator used to be a college basketball ref, too, and he shows up on their basketball coverage doing the same thing. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's Gene Sterator here. Uh, I mean, but yeah, Gene does a great job. Go ahead, Bo. I mean, Blind- uh, Dean, uh, Blandino, uh, Dean Blandino on Fox does a good job. Yeah. Uh, no Mike Pereira this year. I guess he's got some medical condition that's keeping him. He's got, that. yeah, he's got the Gene Steratore. <laughs> 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 that's what he got. Oh, man. <laughs> Bland, Blandino sounds like an illegal drug. Yeah, man, give me about two G's of that Blandino. <laughs> uh, that Blandino when I was in Mexico. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's uh, let me ask you about the, the old Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, that yeah. offense has been awful uh, this year. They fired Matt Canada, their OC, a few weeks ago. Offense hasn't gotten any better. They lose the lowly Patriots last week. Big Ben comes out and says the Steelers' tradition might be gone, uh, that they're not representing the legacy that was built from the teams of the Steel Curtain in the 70s and that they're not playing with the fire of the teams that he played for that won two Super Bowls um, and also pointed some blame at Mike Tomlin. You know, Bo, I think there's a lot of truths coming from Big Ben on that, but at the same time, isn't this pot calling the kettle black here? Aren't, aren't the Steelers in large part in this position because Big Ben played about two years too long and uh, he didn't want them to draft a quarterback through a hissy fit when they brought in Mason Rudolph and all that? Like, he's partially responsible for the Steelers being in this position, right? Well, I mean, I think so. I mean, I look, look, I look at it and go, well, you know, the Steelers' tradition, does that include the tradition in a bathroom in, the, in a nightclub in Georgia? Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, because, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger was representing, you know. Um, but I agree there's some issues with Roethlisberger at the end of his career. He had to get all the money on his contract. He was he should have retired two years before he did. Uh, but, I mean, again, I'm not going to hate somebody for getting their money. But he really was, he held the Steelers over a barrel of, you're not going to replace me. And yeah. because of those situations and, and not being 
willing to work with the franchise and not being willing to go somewhere else either, then yes, it put a handicap on the Steelers moving forward at the quarterback position. Now, the quarterback that the Steelers chose to go with, that's kind of their own decision and their fault on that. And I do think that there's a lot of tr- a lot of reality with what Roethlisberger said, but sometimes we don't want to hear it from certain people. By the best way I could put it, again, if if Terry Bradshaw said these things, I'd be more apt to listen. Right, but not Ben Roethlisberger. Again, I don't think that Ben Roethlisberger can sit on a high horse, unless the high horse is in a bathroom in a Georgia nightclub, <laughs> allegedly. Um, Mike Tomlin hasn't won a playoff Google it, game. Google it. Uh, Google's your friend, folks. Oh, yes. Mike Tomlin hasn't won a playoff game in five years. Um, how much of the problem is uh, Mike Tomlin, you think, and do the Steelers and him need to go a different direction? Sometimes a, a different person, a different tone makes a difference. I don't think that Mike Tomlin's a bad coach. I think he's a really good coach. Um, I think it might be beneficial for both sides. To make a change, I think Mike Tomlin might be go somewhere else and have a little, have more success. Frankly, um, I like Mike Tomlin. I'm not going to say anything bad about him. I don't think he's in a very good position right now. You know, and I don't know that he's the we, right answer for the Steelers moving forward either. We mentioned earlier that there's probably not going to be too many teams interested in a trade for Belichick. Maybe one or two or three. I bet you if. If Mike Tomlin, if teams knew he was available via trade, there would be suitors lining up and the Steelers could get a nice return for Mike Tomlin. Hey, if I'm the Saints, I go get that dude. That's yeah. I, I think there's a lot of teams that would go that would be interested in Mike Tomlin. I do. I think there are numerous teams would be interested in him. And yeah. I think that's a good look at it for the Steelers. I just think that that would be we talk about mutually beneficial situations. A split there would be very mutually beneficial. Yeah. When would be the last time if they traded him? When's the last time two coaches got? Well, did Sean Payton get traded? Yes, he did yes. get traded. When's yeah, the last traded. time, like two? Co- when's the last time before Sean Payton a coach got traded? John Gruden. Uh, John Gruden oh, was. Yeah. Sean Payton was. I feel like there was another one in between. What about NBA coaches? Oh, uh, Doc trade? Rivers was the last That's NBA right. coach trading. That's right. Yeah, yeah it's so not can... terribly common, but there no. is. It's happened. Uh, yeah. There is precedent. It's one of those where it's mutually beneficial to the coach and the team to get rid of somebody. Yeah. And that's what Tom will think could happen. I mean, we'll see. And then the Steelers um, go get Eric Bieniemy. You know, wow. that could that, be something. I've heard worse ideas. Or put, or I wouldn't want to take Dan Campbell away from the Lions, but Dan Campbell is like the reincarnation of Bill Cowher, just a little bit nicer, maybe. I I, I think I like, like your first that. idea. I I like the idea of Eric Bieniemy as the Steelers head coach. That'd be a really good idea. Yeah, I, it could be. Um, I, he's going to get a job this year. I hope. Oh, so. absolutely. I, hope I, so. I think that the, you know what I think the part of that is. I mean, Sam Howell, especially the first half of the season. Sam Howell played better. But I think what's happened in Kansas City yeah. speaks big to who, to who Eric Bieniemy is. Yes. Jones, you good. said it. He was the adult in the room. You yeah. said that a couple weeks ago, Jones. You said uh, 
like the strict dad is not there anymore. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I call it the adult in the room. The one Kansas adult City's like a single room. mom with a bunch of bad kids. That's well put. <laughs> so That's I'm getting attacked what's wrong for that. Well, and, and Andy Reid's a single mom. Well, and you think about too, he went into Washington and they did not like him initially. Remember, there were the reports about players pissed that he mm-hmm. was rattling their their cages, ruffling feathers a bit. Like, but it worked. You can't, he got their you attention. can't be go fucking these DC strippers all the time, right? So it worked. Um, how about them Cowboys? Dallas looks phenomenal right now. Um, Dak playing at MVP level. Um, the defense is good. McCarthy's doing a good job. Bo, you and I, I think the last couple of years have felt the same about the Cowboys. We like the makeup of this team. We don't like the star and all that. You know, like, that's that's not us. You and I hate the Cowboy brand and, and all that. But I like how this Cowboy team is assembled. And right now, executive of the year might be Jerry Jones. Jerry's done oh, a good job with the way they've assembled this roster there. With all that said, though, Bo, they look like as good as any team in the NFC. They're right up there with San Fran, Philly. Obviously, they just beat Philly and everything. But the question still remains, is it different when it comes postseason time? Does Dallas have enough right now from what you've seen to get over that hump to get to the NFC Championship? All right. I am in on believing in this Cowboys team. I hate the sentence. <laughs> I hate it because you know me. I hate the Dallas I do Cowboys. too. Yes. I have, but I have always liked Dak Prescott. I liked him back in Mississippi State. I think he's a great quarterback. I think he is a great quarterback. I think he is the MVP of this league right now. I think that it's going to take an Herculean effort or him to absolutely collapse in the last five weeks. Him not to win the MVP. Um, I think that the moves that the Cowboys made defensively. And Dan Quinn is their defensive coordinator, and what they've done to match up to his ideas work beautifully. The offense is great. I was critical early this season. I think the Cowboys are running the ball enough. I still don't think they run the ball enough, but that's just my personal preference. Again, sure. when, you the, when you get the MVP, when you get the MVP at quarterback, and he's got weapons and he's not making mistakes, they, they're in any game moving forward. I know they had a bad game against the 49ers earlier in the year. I'm not going to dismiss that. But I think they're a different team now than they were a month ago, as a lot of teams are. And I think that they, ha- the Cowboys have a chance to not only win their division, but that's a Super Bowl caliber team. Yes. It's the best Cowboys team since the Jimmy Johnson era. Yes. And oh, I, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say that line, but I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for Dak Prescott. I'm rooting for those players. There's a lot of players on this team I like. I love Dak Prescott. I love all the defensive players. I have a, I like C.D. Lamb. I like a lot of their offense. I There's no player on that team where I go, God, fuck that guy. <laughs> I, there's none of them, which as someone who has been a Cowboy hater for 40-plus years, you would think I would hate everybody. Yeah, Kelvin Joseph's yeah. been gone a while now. Yeah. Man, I I don't see a lot of holes in that team. And it's hard not to root for them because they're exciting football. They don't make a lot of mistakes. They play good, sound football. Um, 
what's not to like about them, honestly? And that hurts me to say that, but it's true. And I'll Jerry say this Jones. Right <laughs> but see, like, you know what? My thing on Jerry Jones has always been, don't like him as the GM, but always respected the businessman part of it. But right He's now, he looks like a hell of a GM at the moment. Yeah, and, and he has changed the league uh, in a way that no one thought he could. And he's the reason the league is what it is business-wise. The business juggernaut the NFL is, those owners know a lot to Jerry Jones. That's undeniable. And I've always respected that. I, I should be a Cowboys fan. I'm not. and never will be. <laughs> but You're almost talking worried. yourself into it here. But I was saw I was talking to the wife about this this weekend. We were talking about it on Monday night, actually. We were watching the game. And I said, the bad thing is I'm actually going to have to root for them at some point this season. Now, these next three games, they got three tough ones in a row. They've got they got to go to Buffalo, to Miami, and they play the Lions. It's going to be a big game both ways, the Lions and the Cowboys. Uh, Lions have kind of fallen off. Well, I'm sure we'll get to yeah. that at some point. But then they end at the Commanders. If they get a little help, they keep that division lead, and teams that got to go over to Jerry's world, it's going to be hard to beat them. And I even like them going on the road to certain places. I There's not a lot to not like about the Dallas Cowboys right now. If they did not have the star in the helmet, they would be Bo's favorite team. If they were somehow transplanted to the city of New Orleans, I would not complain. <laughs> the, the one thing I don't like, I don't like McCarthy. I've never been a Mike McCarthy fan. You don't like McCarthy, but you like what he's done this year. I, you know what he he's done a much better. So he the offense is he's done a better job with this offense than what Kellen Moore did last year. Well, yes and no. He's done a lot of the same. He told us when he came into the season that they were going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball more. They did it for the first few weeks, and then they realized. Holy shit, Dak is playing extremely well. Let's just throw it in his hands. And for some reason, that never worked, but now it is. And I think that really has to do with the defensive side of the field. The fact that they can go get the ball, and they'll give you short fields, and they're going to make sure that you – if you if the Cowboys score 24 points, they're going to win the game. Yeah. 24. It's 24 points. And if you ask that of any team in the league – you should get there. And the Cowboys can do it every single week. I want to see the Cowboys play the 49ers. That's the game I want to see. I think the Cowboys can beat the 49ers. I do too. And it's about time, right? That's been there. The team that stood in their way the last few years is that Niners team. So and I don't I don't want to say that the Eagles are out either. Because right. I think that I think Jalen's hurt. Yeah. I think Jalen's hurt. I think that's what they're how they've regressed. But don't be surprised. I think those three teams, and I can even include the Lions if they get hot. The NFC, someone good's coming out of the NFC to win the Super Bowl. Tom, didn't you uh pick the Cowboys to win the NFC before the year? I did. I I was telling one of my coworkers today is actually I had actually taken Cowboys Bills Super Bowl. And the Bills still couldn't get it done. I was taking the Dallas freaking Cowboys to win the Super Bowl. And then after the show, I think I went and made myself throw up. Uh, Bo, we got a little bit of time left, so I do want to talk uh, college football here. Uh, Jaden Daniels, your guy, the LSU quarterback, wins the Heisman (laughs) Trophy. Um, 
I mean, what a season he had. I know that they lost three games this year, but you can't deny how dynamic he was in that offense. And quite frankly, it wasn't his fault. The defense just gave up so many points. Um, outstanding year. And, and you know, to some extent, Bo, I know that this wasn't the year LSU wanted, their second year with Brian Kelly. But as far as a building block for a foundation – it's kind of a win-win uh, for LSU, for Brian Kelly and Jaden Daniels in this sense of they let Jaden Daniels go off in the second half of the year, and not only did he win the Heisman, but he also put himself in position where uh, he's going to be a first-round draft pick. And now you're looking at the other side, Brian Kelly, where, okay, maybe – they didn't get a spot in New Year's Six Bowl, but I think Jaden Daniels winning the Heisman Trophy does more for recruiting and more value than it does anything for, uh, you know, if they didn't win the Heisman. And that's an interesting question, and I'll pose, and I like the way you post. So, is it better for LSU that he won the Heisman than, you know, going winning the division and maybe not going to the national championship but going to the New Year's Six? Yes, it's better that he won the Heisman. Uh, and the reason being is you get to recruit better. And what we've seen is now two of the last five Heisman Trophy winners have come from LSU, Joe Burrow and now uh, Jalen Daniels. Um, what it shows is that LSU is now one of those places that we knew there was success you could have as a team. They've won three national titles in the last, in the last 15 years, um, more so than anybody except for Alabama. Uh, but they haven't been that competitive the last couple of years since Joe Burrow left to be the national champion. But in the end, it could be that it's now a destination for a top quarterback. LSU's never recruited a top quarterback. The two they've had in, in Burrow and now uh, Jaden Daniels have been transfers. So now with the NIL and everything else, there's going to be times you can bring those players in that's going to create a little bit of something this next offseason. I want to see what happens with LSU quarterback in this next couple of months. Um, but I do think, it, yes, I think it's better for them to have won the highest than it was to – the only thing that would have been better was to go to a playoff. Right. If they were one of the top four. If they had beaten Alabama, had they beaten Florida State week one, had their defense not given up – what was it? It was 55 points to Ole Miss – and they won that game. I mean, that's the thing with Jaden Daniels. I mean, what else you can ask the kid to do? If they don't lose those games and they go to the national to the the playoff, that would have been better. Right. But other than that, yeah, the Heisman Trophy winner at a big time program. Yeah, and and I think that what it also shows is that Brian Kelly, in year two, didn't have the number of success. He didn't win as many games as I think LSU fans thought they were going to win. I mean, I'm an LSU fan. I thought we were going to win 10 games. You know, if we dropped one, we shouldn't have dropped. We should have either beat Florida State or beat Ole Miss. It's kind of acceptable for us to lose to Alabama. But it does show that high-end players can still go to LSU, still be top draft picks, and that's going to help keep bringing those players in. Yeah. Daniels is going to be in the first round. Malik Neighbors is going to be in the first round. And they're high-end players. They're going to be NFL players for a long time. Real quick on LSU. Um, I got to give credit to Brian Kelly of adapting his offense. You know, he ran that 
pro-style, run-heavy offense at, at Notre Dame. He did that for the most part last year at LSU. And this year, he kind of just went guns a-blazing and let those guys have at it and really cranked out that offense. Um, to me, I, I think that's a great sign for that future that that Brian Kelly is adapting to his team's strengths, their personnel. Yeah, I think when you look at it, uh, there was only two games this year where LSU didn't score 30 points. And only three where they didn't score 40. And I think that what we've seen is Brian Kelly is now University of Cincinnati Brian Kelly, not Notre Dame Brian Kelly. Yes. He's willing to say, hey, we'll get a shootout with you. They've got to improve their defense drastically. Yeah. But when they do, they're going to get a quarterback. And when they do, they're going to be up there still. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lot of fun now because now we got OU and Texas in that conference too. And I got one thing to say about the Texas thing, if I could. I saw the schedule. The SEC schedule came out. Yeah. And I didn't realize that Texas scheduled Michigan next year. Yes. And that game got moved to the big house by request of Fox in order for them to get out of the Big 12. Yeah. So that's – what does that say about Texas? And they went ahead and they scheduled Alabama this this season before they go into the SEC. And now they're saying they'll, they'll play Michigan at Michigan. Uh, they played Alabama at Alabama. I mean, that's if that's not bold to say, hey, we're taking on the biggest players, that's pretty good. And now they're coming to the SEC. I think it shows that they want to be up there in that conversation as well with Alabama, with LSU, um, with Georgia. And to say, hey, we want to be one of these big boys. And they got a real chance. Let me ask you another thing on, on the Texas note. Um, Malik Murphy, their backup quarterback, who started a few games for him this year when uh, when Quinn Ewers went down, he enters the portal, and he's done officially. Will not be the backup in the college football playoff uh, in the semifinals or national championship. Arch is now QB2. Uh, and, you know, we don't know about Ewers yet. Uh, it sounds like he's coming back to school, but if he plays great the next couple of weeks – then there might not be reason for him to come back and just go ahead and go pro. What do you think of this quarterback situation now at Texas with with no Murphy there and and Mar and Arch being the next guy in line? Well, it's it's interesting to me because Arch Manning is the next guy. Is that gonna is he gonna be okay with being the backup for another year? You know, if if Quinn Ewers is gonna go pro. You would think he would know by now, like whether he's playing because he was he make a decision on the bowl game. Um, but if he wants to play the ball game to see if it helps his draft stock, I can understand that too. I, I when does the portal close? Do you I don't know. Uh it's not till after the CFP. Okay. So I wonder what would happen if Ewers says I'm coming back another year. Does Arch Manning go in the portal? No, his, his I don't think so. he's not going to. I think he would have done that by now already. I would have thought so too. But what if Quinn Ewers goes pro? Murphy's gone. Arch is the starting quarterback. Why would you start anywhere other than Texas? I think that everyone knows that Quinn's coming back at this point. I think it's a very slim chance. Okay. So then my question would be there's a couple of big programs with quarterback holes Ohio State, Florida State. LSU. Why wouldn't Arch Manning go to one of those three? Because Malik Murphy's going to one of them. 
<laughs> There's two more. And if you're Arch Manning, wow, you go to Ohio State where every quarterback's gone to the NFL. Or you go to LSU where no Manning's gone before, but they're all from there. Like, you talk about being like the Louisiana hero. He'd be like the god down there. Um, I think there's been some comfort, clearly, with him and Sark. Yeah, I, well, and I know they also have Cutliffe there. And that's a big thing to the Manning That fans. too, yes. Yeah, and I think there's also a lot of pressure on Arch Manning from his own family to not make a jump. Yeah. To kind of live with the decision. I think that that's, you know, Archie said something this a couple weeks ago. You know, when the grand grandpa comes out and says he ain't going nowhere, that's like, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. You know, it's like being told you're not going anywhere. The the girls in Austin, Texas look better than the ones in Baton Rouge. You may be right. Now, if he goes but any further south to San Antonio, then they'll have a problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what Barkley says. Yeah. Uh, um, but hey, but think about it. Then if he goes, if he goes to LSU, for for argument's sake, he has a better shot at winning the Heisman at LSU than at Texas. Yes. At Ohio State, they're what last four quarterbacks to go to the NFL. Right. You except know, just except Kyle history. McCord. Kyle McCord was pretty bad this year. Yeah, I mean, I have to throw that out, I guess. But before him, I mean, you go back to the last four, they've all made it. And, yeah, so I mean, I look at it and go, okay, here's a lot of and, – and Ryan Day, you can say what you want about him and not beating Michigan and whatnot. He seems to know what to do to get quarterbacks into the NFL. All right. So I don't know. I If I was Arch Manning, and again, I'm not Arch Manning. I am rooting for the young man. I, I'd get the hell out of Texas. I'd go to one of those three schools. I'd find a way to get to one of those three because you're going to have a legit chance at Florida State, LSU, or Ohio State to win a Heisman and to win a national top. It Texas should have well, backup. I wonder if Texas would just say, all right, Quinn, we appreciate what you've done here, but Arch is threatened to leave, and we've got three more years of him compared to one of you or probably at least two years of Arch Manning. But, you know, I don't want to give Arch Manning too much credit yet. He might not even be – he might not even come out swinging dick. He might shit the bed. He, he might. I mean, I, I, I don't, and, don't know. And Quinn Ewers, like, has been really good this year, and next year is going to be one of the top three Heisman favorites. You can't chase off a talent like that. I, I tend to agree with you on that, Tyler. I mean, he's going to be a Heisman favorite. And I think that he's – I mean, he as much as we talk about Quinn, to... as much as we talk about Arch, Quinn was the highest-rated quarterback ever coming out of high school. Yeah. I mean, Texas Quinn will was... probably replace their wide receivers, too, because after this year, they lose Worthy, Whittington. Yeah. Um, don't they have that tied in? Probably, too, that they'll lose. Yeah. And Jonathan Brooks uh, won't be back probably till halfway through the year next year. So they're, they're kind of like the – they're like – he might be the Mahomes, but they have a real Chiefs problem. And no Travis Kelsey to help. Maybe, but, but Texas. they're Texas. They'll reload. They'll be fine. So. Right. What about uh, Georgia? What has Georgia done in the in the portal so far, quarterback? Uh, they lost nothing. They lost Brock Vandergriff to Kentucky. Yeah, but are they gone and added anybody yet? No, they're uh, uh they're rolling. Another place to many to think about, but that's four. That's four of the top. That's four. Well, the Carson, top Beck's, Carson Beck's coming back next year. 
<laughs> not if you have Arch Manning, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> I think Carson Beck played a lot better in the second half last year. I think Carson Beck ought to go play at Coastal Carolina if I can go get Arch Manning. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't think that George is an option. I think. I think Georgia's got to figure out that quarterback situation because they're going to need one. They they're going to. I think they realize now that was what held them back this season. Quarterback play was really bad, really bad. I thought Beck played better in the second half of the year. It was much improved. They weren't any better. They had they had to depend on the run more and more. I don't think he played very well at all. And I, well, I mean, those. last last year they bitched about Stetson Bennett. Yeah, and he wasn't very good. I mean, he was good, but he was We got the job done, two-time national champ. Now he's an alcoholic in 11 L.A. Guys, 11 guys playing for the Eagles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, now he's, yeah, now he's in L.A. getting boozed up. One more uh, one more point I got for you uh, on the college front uh, before we go here, Bo. Um, I was thinking, looking ahead to next year in the Big Ten, Um. Ohio State loses a lot, right? With no Marvin Harrison Jr. and uh, you know a, a boogie, you know their top two receivers. Um, they'll have a new quarterback. Sounds like it's going to be Cam Ward from Washington State, more than likely coming in. Um, you look at Michigan. I think Jim Harbaugh's gone. I think he's going to the NFL, probably to the Bears. And they're going to lose JJ McCarthy. Their running backs and all that. I think Michigan's going to take a step back. So then you start to look. What does the Big Ten look like? And, Bo, I think you know Washington is going to lose quite a bit with with Penix gone, and you know their their receivers. You know they got some great NFL talent. I look at a team that brings a lot of guys back and who's upgrading at the quarterback position. I think the Oregon Ducks with Dylan Gabriel might walk in and win the Big Ten their first year next year, Bo. I'll, I like Dylan Gabriel better than I do Bo Nix. Yes, um, I do. And uh, could be a good fit. I mean, that's an offense that just don't make mistakes. If you got a good arm and you're accurate and you're quick, you got to be quick thinking in that in that Oregon offense. You got to get the ball in your hands to make good decisions quickly. And, and defensively, Dan Lanning's playing that same style that they did at Georgia, and they've been awesome defensively there too. Yeah, um, I don't. I see that. I. So I think Michigan's big thing, I think you're going to lose Jim Harbaugh. Yep. I mean, I think he's going to be walking out the door. That's the biggest thing that hurts them. Um, I do think Ohio State reloads. I can see where you're going. I do agree with Washington. I mean, look, Penix has carried them through a large portion of the season as well. And he covered up a lot of mistakes in that team. Um, I think we'll see that in the playoffs too. But I do think that I see where you're going with that. I don't disagree. I think it's too early to know that. But I do think you should take a look at that. I would tend to lean more toward Ohio State just because it's Ohio State. Day finds a way to make quarterbacks work. Didn't this year, but they've traditionally done that. Um, you know, there was a rumor last week I heard, I think I heard something that there was some people trying to put a package together that would give Marvin Harrison enough money to stay. Like he would get paid in the NFL for a year to stay for one more year at Ohio State. The idea would, was that he would get want more money in one year than his entire rookie contract. Yeah, and that he wants to beat Michigan real bad. Um, look, if you're the number two pick in the draft, you don't you don't stay. You go. And your dad's name is Marvin Harrison. Yeah, you know what? His dad might dad. Look, I ain't gonna make his dad mad. If you know, you know. I ain't making his dad mad. Same. Yeah. 
The Colts trade up to get him. Well, the Colts are uh, playing way above uh, their expectations. Yeah, that's true. Maybe they'll just maybe he'll stick around and see if the Colts. Not, suck not to get too out. off track, but real quick, Bo, uh, on that Colts note, I heard uh, Armando Salguero, NFL columnist, say today that he actually thinks that they may have won too much where it messes up the rebuild plan where it actually might set them back what they've done this year. You think that's true? No, because they've already got the quarterback they want. They got the quarterback they want for the future. It is like you're it's like you're tanking. Like remember the tank for Tua thing a few years ago? Yeah. I don't really believe in that. I don't believe that you do that, you lose on purpose to try to get a higher pick. It's all about making the right pick. And yeah, if they end up falling out of the top 10 and end up being at 15 or 16 because they end up having too many win, too many wins, that's that's one of those old crimey river kind of things. I mean, look. They've got the quarterback they want. They got a coach now, too. They got a coach. They'll figure out what they want to do from here. I mean, there. I don't think that's an issue. It would be different if they were trying to draft a quarterback and they're like, hey, we got to get this top five for one of these great quarterbacks. Yeah. That's different for me. That's where I disagree with that. Yeah. He's Coach Bo. Uh, Check him out. Counter Advice Group, uh, Coach Bo Knows Podcast. Uh, Bo, what can uh, people expect on the pod in the coming days? Man, we got some – we're going to be just kind of a potpourri of a lot of stuff, man. We got got some stuff put together. We have technical issues. We're going to get that back up. But, uh, hey, we got to talk about, obviously, the NFL, what's going on. I'm going to talk a little bit about Dak Prescott, why he is definitely the MVP this year. I got some stats and some stuff to prove on that. And then non-football-wise – have you talked about Shohei Otani yet? Have you seen what he's doing with this deal? It's pretty incredible. Seven hundred million. I mean, he was hoping to get five. He got seven, but he's deferred it. Almost all, all but twenty million is being deferred into twenty, like twenty thirty five. It's ten years out. And I'm, I'm surprised the PA allowed this. Um. Well, I guess what they did. My understanding, what I read this morning, was that they went and Shohei wanted to defer it all. And so they went and pulled the contract that had the most deferred money, and it was recent. It was Max Scherzer. And so they said, hey, we're going to take a percentage slightly higher than Scherzer. Um, Scherzer was 50%. So they said, look, if you're already there, why wouldn't you just do this? It makes money. Um, Otani off the field is making $50 million in endorsements this year, mm. in 2024, coming up, based on his endorsements with New Balance and with, I think it's um, one of the back companies, and then what he's doing in Japan. It, it's a lot of nuanced stuff, and we know we do a lot of the sports business stuff on my pod. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how this is so unique and so crazy on so many different levels. Looking forward to it. Bo, we'll uh, talk again next week. Thanks for joining us, man. Yeah. Thank you. Final segment before we go. It's our top four story of the week. Tom's Bridge is standing by with something ridiculous happening in the world. Tom, where are we going to this time? Jones, you know, usually I would expect this to happen when the major sports slow down, you know, kind of like that summertime lull we get. This oh, yeah. is where oh, yeah. this would fit in great. But Jones, I are you are you any good in Excel? I've had to become pretty decent with Excel because of what I do. But are you any good with Excel? 
I use Excel every day at work, um, but not for what most people do. I we have a formula built in for like our graphics, and I I use Excel to the bare minimum that I need to. I guess you're a big Google Sheets guy. Yes, Google Sheets, Excel, yeah, that's I mean, it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, we use a lot of uh, Excel and a lot of SharePoint at work, what I do, but Jones, I, I consider myself probably above average with Excel compared to the average person, but okay. not to these people, Jones. This is coming from techradar.com, and article reads, the Microsoft Excel World Championship, didn't even know that was a thing, is back, and it, it's back. That means it left at some point. Right. Um, and it's bigger and better than ever. Uh, Microsoft Excel World Cup returns on, and it's on ESPN as the Ocho goes cell-based. Ha-ha, funny joke about Excel. The world's cell-based superstars are set to go head-to-head as the battle for the spreadsheet supremacy, oh my God, kicks off at the Microsoft Excel World Championships. Following a stellar debut late last year, ESPN has once again picked up the spreadsheet tournament to show as part of its annual The Ocho event with coverage starting at 7, 9 p.m. Pacific time today. Highlights later shown on YouTube. So sponsored unsurprisingly <laughs> by Microsoft and part of the Financial Modeling World Cup. What? There, this is those are money laundering businesses. There's no way <laughs> this is a money laundering event. Um, last year's broadcast on the All Star Battle proved a surprise hit with more than eight hundred thousand people apparently viewing the entire two and a half hour competition on YouTube with ESPN broadcasting a thirty minute edit. This year, the stakes have been raised with traditional Excel-based puzzle solving and trickery ramped up with the added threat of elimination. Participants will be given a case to solve, which will demand knowledge and expertise of a wide range of Excel skills to finish. As the FMWC website notes, the game task will be testing your Excel and logical thinking skills, no previous knowledge in finance, engineering, data analytics, or any other industry is necessary. That's interesting. This could be anything from electron modeling to random number generators and even working how, out how to best navigate an Excel-based video game level, all accompanied by live commentary by Excel experts. God, that would put me to sleep. Um, oh, that sounds horrible. Um, <laughs> competitors will of course need to know their way around a formula and have excellent coding skills as well as encyclopedic knowledge of excel shortcuts and tricks but as the fmwc website notes anything is allowed and the strategies up to you jones um there's oh here's some more info sorry it looked like it had ended there the competitors have 30 minutes to answer a series of questions worth up to a thousand points and the person with the most points wins. However, as mentioned, this year adds an extra motivation to work fast as the player with the fewest point will be eliminated every five minutes. Um, amazingly, the event is now only a part of a wider season of Excel competitions, one of many leading up to the Microsoft Excel World Championship Finals in Vegas in December, 
or total price fund of over $15,000 is up for grabs. So I think this article is really talking about the Microsoft Excel World Champion Finals because it's in December. So $15,000, can they not come up with some more money than that? I feel like that's bullshit. <laughs> 15000 well, is chump change for somebody like one of these fucking nerds that knows how to are, code. Don't worry about them, though. Like, they're, as computer nerds, I'm sure they're very well off. Oh, absolutely. And this is at the Hyper X Arena in Las Vegas, which looks like esports gaming arena. Um, I mean, what? I could have made a comment, but that would come off as very insensitive, and I haven't been drinking today. So uh-huh. uh, if that was the case, you would have got a really funny comment out of me, but I'm not going to make that. Um, but you have to be a special type of person to be able to uh be a part of a Microsoft Excel esports battle. That's all I'm gonna say. You gotta be just a, a very special individual. Well then um, you gotta be a very special inner uh, special individual to sit there and watch it as well. Like as a spectator. Yeah, that's probably even worse. I'm you know what? I would maybe watch like five minutes of it. I'd watch maybe five minutes just to see you would watch it, watch five minutes of it online. You would not like go see it in person. Oh, abs- no, absolutely not. Now, it would take a really, really, really special degenerate to, and you know it's going to happen, uh, to bet on this. How do you even, you know, if you, if you, if there's betting lines on this and it's in Vegas, so there will absolutely be uh, some sort of betting involved in this. How do you even go about do you just is it kind of like picking a racehorse like without knowing anything about horse racing? Do you just kind of like be like, well, that one's got a cool name? Do you just like look at one of these kids and be like, yeah, that guy looks like the smartest fucker in the room and then put your two hundred dollars down on him or right. her or you know? Well then like I, I would watch for five minutes to see what some of these people look like. Um you know, with it being, uh, you know, technology based and everything, does does Dominion rig it? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, and it's like fifteen thousand. Like Microsoft sponsoring it. I mean, if anything, Microsoft is probably like, yeah, we'll just add fifteen thousand dollars onto your salary and we'll hire you. Right. Like if you can run through it this quick, uh, yeah. I'm going to have to figure out when this is. I just want to see who's involved. I want to see the contestants. And That's see, what I, I got to see what these people. The the male contestants uh, never been married. They're all virgins, right? I mean, maybe. I mean, if they're making a shit ton of money, they. I mean, yeah, that's that's part of the prize. You're you win the Excel battle and lose your virginity at the same day <laughs> here in Vegas. Well. 15,000 could, 15, could probably buy a pretty good sex worker in Vegas, I'd imagine. Um, you wouldn't want to blow your load right there in the hole and and the one go though. Um yeah, cr- this is crazy. I'm I'm gonna have to see if I can even find like last year's just because I'm my curiosity is 
uh, insatiable right now. I'm trying to figure out what some of these people m- might look like. Can you buy tickets to this? Is that what I'm seeing? Is tickets on sale? I imagine, I gotta... Tom, they all look like Scott Van Pelt. You think they're all bald? <laughs> yes. I can see having, like, okay. Okay, Jones, here we go. Now, maybe the, okay, so I don't know if the, I don't know, I can't find the 2023 tickets, but the 2024 tickets are now on sale. How much? Uh, and you can go to the Microsoft Excel World Championship next year in Vegas, 2024. Early bird tickets right now going for 35 bucks. Normally would run you 50. Oh. Now you can still get in a Kansas football game for less than $35. You can, uh, so for about the same price, you could go to the Big 12 championship game. Yeah, standing room only. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's a standing room ticket there. Can yeah, you imagine, too, like, some people ask you, oh, what, what are you doing in Vegas? Like, oh, yeah, I'm in town to go see the Microsoft Excel tournament. God, just, oh, man, I would have to have a hard time. Like, I don't know, not, not everybody likes different things. So, I, you know, I'd probably... stay in my hotel room and do nothing, then go to that. You know, if it was free, I'm not paying. Right. I mean, everybody has their own interests. People always think it's weird. They're like, Tom, like, who the, you know, who, do you like disc golf? Who the fuck likes disc golf? And that's weird. Like, yeah, it's way cheaper than regular golf. And I'm actually good at disc golf and not, not so good at regular golf. But so people could hate on that, sure. But, uh, Excel, like, I work, why would I want to compete in Excel? I do it every day. And, it is the most boring shit in the world. Um, unless you're like off an Adderall or something and you just make a crazy good spreadsheet that lists everything and like just looks good, sure. Or if it wins you points at a work meeting, I guess in this case, if it wins you 15 grand, but even then, so, and then it looks like Jones, they have these battles upcoming this year. They call them the, Excel esports season battle one. And I don't know if this is going to, this one is in January, January 25th, the first battle. Um, and it says London time, which making me think that it's in London. Um, or this is just catered to London, but, um, very interesting financial modeling world cup. You know, uh, I got a better idea. Instead of watching people sit in front of a computer with Excel documents, I think it'd be more entertaining if we just got people a bunch of Zens and tried to see who could stick the more amount of Zens in their mouth for the longest period of time. Like that would be more interesting to me than than that. What it'd be like a a Zen version of Chubby Bunny where you put in the yes Zen Chubby Bunny yes oh my God Jones these financial modeling World Cup has a uh, they have a they have a Twitter and um, they only have seventeen hundred followers so I don't think it's that big yet 
Um, we might be on to something. Zen Chubby Bunny. Golly, call yeah, that's a that's like a fucking bar stool sport waiting to happen. We need to jump on this. Yeah, because if they if they every, get wind of a Zen Chubby Bunny, it's over. Every contestant signs a waiver. Do you get to pick your flavor? Um, you could have different categories of it. Because there's what? There's eight, maybe. I think I asked you this. How many flavors? Like eight? I think so. Is there like a mango? I wouldn't want to pick a very minty one. I had the chill, the chill one, which is no flavor. It's just a body effect the other night. And granted, I was a few drinks in at this point. That was an out of body experience. Yeah, an out of body experience on the Zen? Yes, with the chill one that just like chills your body. Oh, so is it like CBD in it, not nicotine? No, it's nicotine, but it's it's a non-flavor one. It's just a chill. So it doesn't have any. So it's it's just flavorless. Correct. So the I mean, so it's the same thing as the other ones, just no flavor in it. Right, and it chills your body. Yes. Well, why? What do you mean chill? Chill, like it makes you cold. No way. Yes. Bullshit. Uh, I had an out of body experience. It was wild. I'm looking it up right now. I'll go to Quick Trip in the morning and pop three at work tomorrow and find out. You are gonna feel wild. No, there's no way. How's it? How's it not like the other ones? Why would it be any different? Because that's the way it's designed. A refreshing, unflavored nicotine experience. Experience. See? Yes. Okay. Um, this might even be more Tom Fuller's. Okay. Folks listening in, you come back next week and I'm gonna do a Zen report. <laughs> I'm Zen getting these report. I'm getting these first thing in the morning. <laughs> I might even report put all, becomes the I, Zen report. I might yeah, I might put all fucking fifteen in. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> You over here having out of body. I'm like, shit, I remember when I smoked my first cigarette, I had to pull over. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, that's a true story, too. It wasn't a cigarette, but I used to smoke the uh, Swisher Sweets and things like that without, obviously, any devil's lettuce in them. And uh, I remember one of the first times I did it, I was driving down the road, and I was smoking a watermelon Philly at, like, 17 and I was like, oh, no, I am. I felt high as a kite, and I had to pull over on the road and throw the cigar out. I'm assuming that's what it did to you, because I, I got to, yeah, I'm getting the chill ones tomorrow. We're going to figure it out as a, a longtime connoisseur of nicotine. All right. So that's Tom- it there for you. I'm, I'm coming back next week with the, a Zen report. So the Jones report will become the Zen report next week. And we're also going to create the Zen chubby, bubby, chubby bunny challenge. What would you say instead of chubby bunny or would it still be chubby, chubby bunny that you'd have to say every time you put one in your mouth? Uh, what about Zentastic? Yeah. You just have to say Zentastic every time. Zentastic. Yeah. Hey, I mean, yeah, that's be a lot of zins, I'd imagine. 
What if they made a, a jumbo marshmallow size Zen? It'd probably have like 100 grams of nicotine in it and kill the first kid that put it in his mouth. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Wow. What a, what a, from, from esports to Zens. I can't wait for the Chubby Bunny Zen competition. Microsoft Excel National Championship sponsored by Zen Chill. Zen Chill. <laughs> yeah, when you when you're going hard on the computer and you need to chill out, call oh, Zen. Those those nerds they they don't know about getting hard on the computer. I need Roman. <laughs> Wonder if they'll have enough stamina for the second half. On that note, we'll get out of here and we'll go get some Zen. Uh, <laughs> big thanks to Mike Neighbors for joining us, Coach Bo. You, the listener, as well. Subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every week. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on social media, facebook.com slash Tyler Jones Live, facebook.com slash Studio Soapbox, X at Tyler Jones Live, X Thomas underscore Bridges, X, uh, studio underscore soapbox, uh, Instagram, Jones underscore report, Tyler Jones live, Insta Thomas, you can find us there. For Thomas Bridges, Coach Bo, Mike Neighbors, our entire crew, I'm Tyler Jones, thanks so long. It's been another edition of the Jones Report. We'll see you next week.